covers have officially been blown, and we are back in normal rotation to bring you another episode of your favorite film-based discussion podcast. Oh yeah, that was a good movie. Conversational show where two independent filmmakers discuss what we consider to be underappreciated films. My name is John Kaviklis. I'm a Los Angeles-based filmmaker. My name is Osvaldo Cuevas, and I'm a Chicago-based filmmaker. But today, we have not two time zones, but three. John, three time zones. why don't you tell them why? Today on the show, first-time guest, author, future podcaster, entrepreneur, friend of mine, friend of everyone who meets him, the brilliant Jordan Larry. Jordan, welcome to the show, buddy. Welcome. I feel like you really oversold me already. <laughs> what if those is a lie? Come on. <laughs> oh, it's so it's like a two truths. Yeah, a lie exactly. Thing. The people at home will have to figure it out by the end. <laughs> and yeah, it, that's right. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so today, what we're doing is we're doing another verses, our favorite. We love doing verses. And uh, Jordan, you reached out to me and asked if we could do a pretty a pretty cool verses. I liked it. I didn't never thought about it, but uh, the Departed, two thousand six is the Departed. Versus 1992's Deep Cover. Starting today with The Departed 2006, runtime of 2 hours 31 minutes, rated R for all the reasons you want it to be rated R. 8.5 IMDb, 91% tomato meter, 94% audience score. Uh, the 91-94 uh, seemed a little high. I'm just, I like this movie, but I think that, I don't know, I just pictured it to be a little bit lower. 8.5 seems about right on IMDb. You mentioned, uh, you know, movies that are underappreciated. I, I wouldn't say The Departed necessarily falls in that category. In some respects, I think it's a little bit overappreciated in terms of like, you know, how how quote unquote good a film it is. I think it's extremely watchable. I, I think it's it's part of the fun of this comparison is that you know The Departed is is a great watch. I've seen it um, like a million times. It's probably not my like favorite Scorsese, but uh, in in terms of being a great movie, but it's one of the most watchable Scorsese movies, and I think. You know, that's part of why there's such a big big payoff in terms of you know audience and critical support. I knew I liked this movie, but when I rewatched it again, which I haven't seen it in like six or seven years, I was surprised at how good it actually was. Yeah, this is I think like Jordan was saying, like this is probably the most rewatchable Martin Scorsese film. I, my favorite film of his is Taxi Driver, but I mean he's got some amazing movies. But I think if I was gonna sit down and just like, hey, here's all here's his his video collection, here's the the Blu-ray collection of Scorsese, you have to watch one of these. I'd probably I'd, it'd probably be departed just to throw it on because I'm so familiar with it and I'm so comfortable with it that I can also just kind of like tune out and not have to pay that much attention if I don't want to. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, th this for me for a number of years has been one of those movies that like if I see that it's playing on TV at any point in time, I'm probably going to watch it and watch it until the end. But if somebody asked me, <clears throat> you know, my favorite Scorsese movies, the ones that I love the most are, are not really that enjoyable to sit through. You know, I think Taxi Driver is a great example of that. Raging Bull is a great example of that. They're not like feel-good movies, quote-unquote. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. This is totally a feel-good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good when I'm watching it. Well, yeah. it's like, it's so, and obviously we'll get into all this, but it's so sort of like stylish that even the fact that there's, you know, like violence and brutality and, and you know, kind of good and bad, it feels like, you know, more almost like, Tarantino influence, kind of cartoony, kind of slick, polished, as opposed to, you know, Taxi Driver, which feels like really kind of under the yeah, skin. Yeah, like grimy and gritty. Yeah. I, I agree with all that. All right. So, uh, The Departed, written by William Moynihan, who also wrote Edge of Darkness, Kingdom of Heaven, Body of Lies, and of course, based on Internal Affairs, uh, written by Alan Mack and Felix Chong. All three Eternal Affairs are now streaming on Criterion, which I did break down and order just to watch 
deep cover, but now I'm hooked. I already, <laughs> I already love that channel. So this oh, yeah, movie, right? the, the, yeah, I mean it's it's unbelievable. I mean I was just scrolling through it the other day, like God damn, like really everything. I, there's, yeah, it's so good. The rest of my week is ruined now, but in the best way and, possible. And it's not just it's not just the selection of stuff on Criterion, but then it's all of the uh, the ancillary material, right? All the interviews and all the featurettes and stuff. There's there's just so much like high level you know content to consume. There's so there. much on there, yeah. Like literally, like the, the next week and a half is just me on that channel sitting on my ass <laughs> watching mm-hmm. watching people talk yeah, about watching other other filmmakers talk about even more further away from me filmmakers. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good week. So the part also had some pretty, I mean, pretty heavy hitters in the cast. Leonardo DiCaprio, of course, uh, Titanic, Inception, Basketball Diaries, Matt Damon, Matt Damon from uh, <laughs> the Bourne series, Goodwill Hunting, and one of my favorite cameos of all time, Eurotrip, the br- always brilliant, always just fucking insane looking Jack Nicholson, uh, One Flew <laughs> Cuckoo's Nest, Could It Gets, Chinatown. I mean, if you don't know who those guys are. You're on the wrong podcast, my friend. Their secondary cast is actually pretty amazing, too. Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Ray Winstone, Vera Farmiga, which one time I, I fucked up and I called her Farmer Vagina at my house, and now that's just her name at my house. So uh, the beautiful <laughs> Farmer Vagina. Uh, Anthony Anderson, Alec Baldwin, Kevin Corrigan, James Badge Dale. With a budget of $90 million, uh, most of that apparently went to the actor's salaries. And worldwide gross that's of two, my guess is. $291 million. Most of that probably went to the pockets of Fat Cat producers. Anthony Anderson. So big time success. Anthony Anderson. God, ever since he ate all those donuts in Transformers, he's been unstoppable. Of course, we're uh, <laughs> battling Deep Cover, 1992, an hour and 47 minutes rated R. 7.0 IMDb, 87% tomato meter, 77% audience score. That I guess that lines up kind of. I would say maybe a little higher IMDb, but you know, like high 70s, low 80s is kind of where I would put it. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think th- this highlights the point that we started with talking about The Departed, where I think this is a movie that's totally underappreciated. It's, it's you know, by no means a, a perfect film. It's not, you know, necessarily like the the artsiest or, you know, most literary version of, of this kind of a movie. But it is, you know, uh, super watchable. The performances are great. You know, the direction across the board is good. Um, you know, the storyline is good. I, I think in, in, in many ways, uh, you know, it's it's more digestible and less polished, less slick, and a, a bit more sort of realistic in, in comparison with The Departed. Definitely less polished. I will give you that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Some of the yeah, other points I, mean, I don't necessarily uh, agree on, but yeah, it, definitely less, less polished. Fair enough. I mean, it's it's uh, and by no means is it a perfect movie, but I I definitely think that you know if The Departed is you know something like eighty five percent plus, I I think that you know Deep Cover certainly deserves uh, a bit more attention than than it seems to be. Yeah, getting. the uh, I mean the critics score the Tomato Meter had it at eighty seven, so I mean that's you know it's somewhat close. It's not that far. That I mean sounds, that sounds. Pretty I, good, I feel yeah. like if you're on IMDb and you're you're like mid sevens to mid eights, like that's almost every movie ever. So uh, <laughs> okay. So, deep cover, directed by the great Bill Duke, who directed Hoodlum. He directed A Rage in Harlem, primarily known as an actor. Uh, if you've ever seen the original Predator, he's a guy who's constantly shaving. Uh, he also has one of my favorite like one-off lines ever, which is in the movie Payback with Mel Gibson, when he's playing a crooked cop and Internal Affairs like comes up and they're like they show their badge and he looks at it, he goes, "You boys want to back up? We want a stake out here." Like it doesn't even click that <laughs> he's about to get arrested. Uh, but it's a, the great. The great Bill Duke, uh, I think, ran ran for Congress. There was a point where like half of the Predator cast was into politics, so I think he was a congressman for a while <laughs> or a senator, maybe. They were trying uh, to take written over. by, yeah, man, Predator. I mean, come on, it's Predator. How you 
who's not going to vote for someone from Predator? You know what I mean? Even Jesse Ventura. <laughs> it's, it's a it's amazing to to think that like at some point in time, you know, you could have been watching that movie in like the early to mid '90s, and you could have said something that sounded as absurd as. I would vote for half this cast and you actually would have been like ahead yeah. of the curve. You would have had the, exactly. the opportunity to. I ain't got time to bleed that man. I like the cut of his jib. I'm going to vote for him for governor. Yeah. He's got such a good look yeah, like, to what, him too. What about, what about any of those characters or performances says, you know, this guy is destined for, you know, for, for high ranking government office. Yeah. And it wasn't even like the general who sent them on the mission, like somebody who like is in charge. It was just like, the goons they send out to like to like shoot shoot trees so uh man you know what though you never know I, I feel like there's there's i feel like there's there's a grassroots movement or if there's not there should be one to get carl weathers elected to you know some some national office at this point he's just earned like it but i can't imagine it being that hard <laughs> yeah i mean it's carl weathers you know of course dr oz just lost to what's his name so i mean who, who knows maybe 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 post rocky to three Carl Weathers would have done it but now he's post arrest development he's kind of made a fool of himself a little bit maybe he doesn't carry the same weight as when he was Apollo Creed I thought like the Mandalorian appearance would be like his his ticket to, oh was he in Mandalorian you know, okay to, to, to governorship I, I totally forgot I've, I've, I think yeah it's I think that it's one of those Disney shows it's either, it's either Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett but I, I think it's Mandalorian I blocked all those out of my head it was, Man- it was one of the two yeah they, they both yeah. kind of combined in my head yeah exactly and the one just Heaping pile of shit of Yoda, tiny Yoda shit. <laughs> so Deep Cover was written by Michael Tolkien, who wrote The Player, Changing Lanes, Deep Impact, and Henry Bean, who wrote Internal Affairs, The American Internal Affairs, The Believer, and the super underrated Basic Instinct 2. Starring Lawrence Larry Fishburne, of course, Boys in the Hood. He played Ike in What's Love Got to Do With It and Morpheus in the Matrix. Hmm. Jeff Goldblum, my goodness, Man. that guy. I had no idea he was such a good-looking guy. Jeff, oh, you've never seen The Fly, then, have you? Talking about Lawrence uh, uh, oh, Fishburne. Oh, okay. No, Lawrence Fishburne. He was, like, super good-looking as a young man. I was like, damn, he's got it going yeah, on. Yeah, he was, he was super <laughs> handsome. He, uh, th- But sometimes yeah. you see him, and you're like, eh, I don't know about this guy. But in this movie, in this movie, it was firing all cylinders. He was he was sexy AF, you know, tall, tall drink of water. <laughs> oh, like, boy, Boys in the Hood, he's kind of got that, like player vibe right like, yeah he's trying to be responsible true, yeah and right but he's got that like he's got that like single father like i've been around the block kind of thing going can either on, of you, you can know? either of you name his character in boys in the hood off the top of your heads without looking it up what was his name furious <laughs> very good hell yeah yeah his name was furious uh how about his first appearance uh, apocalypse now yeah and and i think i think the story is that he had to like fake fake documents to get on set because he was, he was like, like 16 yeah like something. 15 and he said he was that he was 18 um right. yeah no first uh and then and then actually jeff goldblum and lawrence fishburne both in uh early appearances in the death wish series jeff goldblum played a goon in death wish one fishburne and goon in death wish two so they're pretty much attached to the hip huh. at this point Running out the cows with lyra angel tales from the hood the street sweeper tons he did a ton and ton and ton of tv stuff uh, budget of eight million, worldwide gross of sixteen million. So technically a success, not quite the success of The Departed, but you know, for a low budget kind of uh, grimy cop movie, it also was released uh, two weeks before the L.A. riots. So I'm wondering did that help it or did that hurt it? It probably hurt it. I'm guessing, like maybe it would have done a little bit better. I would think so, and I feel like this movie has like one of those kind of 
cult followings where it's continued to exist in like the ether without ever necessarily becoming like you know a big name yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like pretty much every like film geek kid that I know knows this movie and has a certain reverence for this movie. Uh, almost every film geek. Almost every film geek, you know. <laughs> did I say? No, almost? no. I'm saying say almost. Every... I'm correcting you to say almost every film yeah. geek. I wouldn't say I hold it in super high reverence. Uh, it's okay. I mean, it's, here we'll we'll wow. get into it. We'll get into it. Uh, the Departed IMDb synopsis: An undercover cop and a mole in the police attempt to identify each other while infiltrating an Irish gang in South Boston. Boys, how does that sit with you? That's fine. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's it covers eh. the bases. Yeah, it's a it's a log line. That's all it has to do. Uh, deep cover. It's just really got to say officer. Scorsese, DiCaprio, Matt Damon, and Jack Nicholson. There, there's People literally nothing it. else you need. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I was reading an article that said Leonardo DiCaprio is the last movie star because he's the youngest person who can open a major motion picture without it already being an established like franchise, like a Marvel movie or like Timothy Chalamet did Dune, but like if Dune wasn't already a thing, that would have been a flop. You know what I mean? So they're saying like DiCaprio is the last guy who has the ability to do that. And I was like, all right, yeah. It's 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 interesting how kind of like in some respects the the universe building of, you know, cinema today had to start with like bona fide stars agreeing to do effectively what were like genre movies, and now it's like it's it's gone the other way, right? Where it was like you know, Iron Man was was bona fide because Robert Downey Jr. agreed to do it, and now you know Iron Man can be sort of a star creator for whoever comes along to do it next. Yeah, know? well, and that's the thing too, like especially in the independent world, like the super low budget world, is you you're gonna be more likely to sell or to get distribution for a genre piece with nobody in it than you would like a really good grimy drama or whatever with like a D list celebrity in it. Because yeah, it's all about it's all about that that uh like recognition you know what i mean so it's like oh i know this is a horror movie i'm a horror movie fan i'm in so yeah it's yeah. Uh, everything everything's backwards from how it should be it might it might be worth keeping in mind as we go through these movies too that like nicholson doing batman in the 90s was you know maybe kind of one of the the first dominoes of this this whole process too you know yeah uh yeah i mean i i suppose i mean yeah i guess i guess i could agree with that you had Gene Hackman in Superman 1 and 2 and 3, I think. I think, well, yeah, all four, now that I'm thinking about it. Was Gene Hackman in all four Superman movies? And you had Ned Beatty, too. Also, you also had Ned is, Beatty. Um, you also had the guy who played But the I feel like the, su- the Superman, the, the Superman, Superman and Star Wars are kind of at the bleeding edge of, like, you know, what, what would have been genre films in the 70s being, you know, starting to become mainstream you know, cinema and, and really like the driver of the commercial side of the business, like they're, that's early. So I, I totally agree with you, but th- it's not like there was a ton of superhero movies that really followed up on Superman. It's really when we get to, you know, Batman. And then I think like Raimi's Spider-Man is when it starts to become kind of the, the version that we see today. Blade. Yeah. Don't forget about Blade. <laughs> oh, Blade. Yeah. Yeah. Blade is freaking amazing. Blade's yeah. great. Wesley Snipes also desperately underrated just across the board. Sorry. He's underpaid his taxes. Is that what you're talking about? He's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, feel, I feel like the average movie watcher thinks of him as like Blade and Willie Mays Hayes and forgets that he's like Chi Wong yeah, Fu some, yeah. and, you know, uh, uh, Mo Better Blues. Yeah, Rising and, Sun. You know, that, yeah. that side of who he is. Yeah. And even like White Men Can't Jump, like, you know, I think. 
you and I have discussed that on the side as just being one of those movies that's like you know, sort of underappreciated for how much it really accomplishes performances. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the beginning for me. That was the beginning of, of my just complete fascination with Woody Harrelson, too. I've just like like he's been I didn't realize he was my favorite actor for like 30 years, but he has been my favorite actor for 30 years. I realized about five years ago. I was like, oh, my God, it's Woody Harrelson. It became so clear. I was like, it's Woody Harrelson. That's it. He's my number one. <laughs> of course, deep covers IMDb synopsis. A uniformed police officer is recruited by the DEA to infiltrate a drug smuggling ring looking to expand its operation. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's, I guess, like I mean, there's, there's so much to more to it. You. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was like somebody's first try at a logline. They're like, just fuck it, post yeah. it, man. I don't care. Like, yeah, they don't, don't give a shit. Nobody's going to read uh-huh. it anyway. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's what it's about, you know? Yeah, it it certainly is devoid of any of the nuance of the of the actual movie, but it, yeah. it, that that is a plot synopsis. Yeah. Yep. So, Jordan, you brought me these movies: Deep Cover versus The Departed. You wanted to do a comparison of them. What? Uh, why'd you pick these two? Yeah, I mean, as I recall, you and I were were going back and forth about you know some some movies that deserved a little bit of uh, representation or or attention in in a broader context, and 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 then we got to the uh, you know well let's let's do a versus and I don't even remember exactly how deep cover came up between us, but it was some, some form of stream of consciousness of, of nineties movies that we were, that we were kicking around. And as soon as we brought it up, you know, I, I had rewatched it something like six months ago, but I had honestly forgotten that I had done so. But as soon as we were thinking about it, I was like, you know, it reminds me so much of the departed, which again, like I said, I tend to watch, you know, with some regularity, even if that's, you know, the last 30 minutes of the movie, because it happens to be on TV at a time when I'm, I'm not watching anything else. And, and just the, the, the character arc in particular of, of DiCaprio and, uh, and Fishburne's characters, um, you know, struck me as something that, that is, is worthy of comparison or at least discussion. And, and that really dovetails from there into a number of the other characters that I think, um, you know, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll hear a bit about how, how you, John, specifically feel about this, but you know, I think there are some some great character comparisons and performance comparisons from, you know, uh, Deep Cover isn't the same sort of billboard actors, but there's some there's some you know Hollywood character talent in in the film. Um, you know that that I think hold their own in some respects against the uh, the comparisons in Departed. But yeah, really just like the similarities of of some of the structure of of not so much of the the film because the Departed has so much more. Uh, complexity kind of worked into it, but um, you know the structure of the world that that the stories take place in um, and the characters themselves. The movie I have to watch every time it's on Roadhouse. If it's on, I'm watching Roadhouse. Man, that's just all there is to it. <laughs> Os- Osvaldo, you got one? Uh, see, I don't watch TV like TV, so I always choose what I watch. So yeah, I mean not anymore, no. but I'm just saying like when I still had cable <laughs> and stuff, like if Roadhouse is on TNT. No matter what point of Roadhouse was on, I was watching the rest of Roadhouse. Like, period. <laughs> See, this 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 warrants a discussion as well. I mean, I, I understand like the uh, the the power of streaming services, but I'm very much like a like a TV as white noise guy since I was a kid. And there's something I like about um, channel surfing, which I have YouTube TV now. I don't have cable, so you can't exactly <laughs> channel surf. It doesn't really work quite the same way. But but there's something I love about being like. What's on? What's on? What's on? Oh, okay, there's this. I'll watch 15 minutes of this and then move on. Like, I'm not always prepared to invest all of my attention in, you know, a, a season of television or or a film um, or even start something from the beginning. So yeah, I mean, that's why I, I can't give up my. That's TV. why YouTube is, I think, become so popular is because it's just like, oh, cool. I don't. I can. I can put this on and it'll be 10 minutes and it'll be over and I can finish my day. It's not a three-hour movie. But no, I get that. I like that idea of. I do kind of miss that. Like. 
I wonder what's on. I wonder what somebody else has chosen for me to watch. Or what 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 am I going to discover that like I might not have because I never would have clicked on this if it was on Netflix or on Apple TV or whatever. You know, I do kind of miss that. I just don't miss the enormous cable bill that comes along with it. Yeah. For like for literally for most of the time to be like, yeah, there's nothing on. You know. Or the fucking commercials. Or the fucking commercials. God damn it. Yeah. I'm not a fan of commercials. Yeah, but you, okay, not to get in a, on a whole tangent <laughs> here, but like we're we're getting stuck with commercials again anyway, because Amazon and Hulu and everybody else is, is, is happier making money with advertising. So, you know, we're all getting pigeonholed back into, you know, with with ads contracts on streaming services. I'll pay a little extra to avoid that. So eventually somebody's gonna get the bread idea to be like, I'm just gonna bundle all the streaming services into one for like I don't know, 110 bucks a month, and you just get as many as you want. It's gonna be like, yeah, motherfucker, that's called cable. cable. Yeah. We already did that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've come yeah, full who's circle. the genius uh-huh. who came up with that one? Yeah. And then someone uh, like continues to be like, you know what? I just pay for cable. I I connected I myself. I the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I retied my cable. I got to be honest, though, Jordan. When you when you first said deep cover in my head, I was like, all right, that's cool, man, because I was thinking it was. Uh, the Lawrence Fishburne movie Bad Company with Ellen Barkin. If you've ever seen that, <laughs> it is not good. And I was like, all right, man, if you want to do Lawrence Fishburne and Ellen Barkin in a movie, I'm cool. Like, whatever, you know, we fig- we'll figure it out. So I have not seen it, but I can only assume that the inclusion of Ellen Barkin implies that it's a completely different <laughs> storyline and, and world that it takes place. I in. mean, he's still playing like he, he might be a DEA agent this time or like it's still it's like the same shit. You know what I mean? It's just a. a a watered down version of it. Uh, also, I noticed, uh, I'm glad you did pick Deep Cover because if I see either of you two and we don't do that cool like point handshake that Lawrence Fishburne does in the bar, you're not my friends anymore. So <laughs> if you didn't catch it, go back and rewatch when they like, when they first, oh, no, they, he that. first meets uh, the drug dealer and he does this weird ass handshake. I was like, all right. I'm glad, I'm glad that you're imposing this because I've really, I've been concerned about how stale my handshakes have been getting. So... <laughs> Now that now now that we can go back to something innovative, I'm I'm happy yeah. with that. John and I have our own little weird handshake. That lazy slap, the low the low shake. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Where we like don't even lift our hands like, up. It's just like as low yeah, as you can. Uh-huh. Like, Psh. Oh. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. All right, what do you what do you guys say we get into this? Uh, can I bring up one thing real quick? It's I, I do want to play verses, but I, I want to ask about the Departed. So I got in an argument with a buddy of mine about this. He's another film geek. And uh, Matt Damon character, was he just impotent or was he a homosexual? No, I don't think there's a whole lot of evidence that would make me say that he's definitively gay. I also don't really think it matters per se to, to you know, the, the film as a whole or even necessarily to the character. Well, except that he's his mentor is like the most like alpha macho dude ever who also happened can't get his lady pregnant you know what i mean like i just think it's another layer to what matt damon did with that character i'm not saying it's it's a a good choice or a bad choice but i mean it's obvious that he's impotent like the girl literally says it you know she's like hey it happens to a lot of people and then but then then matt damon is always trying to be like the ultra macho bro the only reason i say that he's gay is Whenever he gets the chance to like say something disparaging about gay people, it's always the most like abrasive. Like he's talking about the fire guys and he's calling them like oh, a bunch of homos and stuff like that. And like he's always dropping the the F word for, you know, gay dudes. Uh, you know, whenever he gets the chance, it's always so aggressive. But then as I was watching it a couple of times ago, 
like we remember when the secretary's walking by and he like whistles at her and he's like, Oh, sorry, Diane, or when she like turns and looks. But if you watch him, he only does that because he looks up and he sees that Berrigan, the guy who's in the academy with him, is watching him. You know what I mean? Like he's watching. He only him. does that shit. Oh, you guys are gay, you guys are a bunch of homos, you know, when there's other people around. And then he can't get it up for Madeline. He looks super uncomfortable in the porno theater, you know, which is fine. I wouldn't want to be in there either. But then Frank turns around and like throws this huge dildo in his face. And it's like, it just seems like everything is like, yeah, this guy's like, this guy's super, super secretly gay and he can't admit it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like a read of, of this concept that just plays a little bit more like he's been completely emasculated by this role that he's been. Uh, you know, kind of brought into or forced into or ho however you want to perceive it, you know, like he's almost sort of like a eunuch in, in the church of, uh, of, of Nicholson's character, yeah. right? Like he's, he's brought in as a kid. He's not really given any chance to, you know, to develop on his own, you know, as a, as a quote unquote man or otherwise. And, you know, it, it just plays out that he's basically a puppet of course, until the end of the movie. And I, I sort of, feel like I can go along with that more than being too concerned about what his actual sexual preference may or may not be. I wouldn't say it's a concern as much as it's just like, a, like from an actor standpoint, it's, it's something that he just threw in, like from hit from, from me, from his actor standpoint, it's like just another thing that he might've created or layered in there to make that Colin character so much mm. more interesting. I have questions about that character in, in general that I, that I scribbled down. Um, you know, just kind of about how, how much do we, and I'm not saying we do or don't, but how much do we really buy into that character as, as a, you know, so, something other than a, a sort of fictional shadow puppet? Like, do we, do we believe that for what we actually get on screen that, you know, the little kid in the grocery store becomes the, the, the dedicated police officer and goes through everything that he does for, for the sake of, uh, of the boss? I mean, yeah, if he's if that's the only father figure he has and he wants to impress him, sure. I mean, if he brought him in at that age, I mean, that's what that's what gangs do. You know, I mean, they recruit they don't recruit in the high schools, they recruit in the middle schools. You know what I mean? They get kids that are 11, 12 years old and they influence the fuck out of them. They even and I mean, there's gangs out here in L.A. that will that will sign kids up basically. And then they'll send them to the army for five years. And then when they come out of the army, they're like, cool, you know how to like do street warfare now. Now you're a badass. Like now you're now you're like one of the high ranking dudes. So. I wouldn't pass put that past anybody, you know what I mean? Especially in in a world like this. I mean, Jack Nicholson's character is a fucking psycho. Like, there's no denying that he's a fucking sociopath. So it's like, yeah, I could see him doing that and then manipulating the shit out of this little kid into doing exactly what he wanted him to do. That is a reason why he may be hiding the fact that that he's gay, because he he's gonna be looked yeah, down upon. I agree with by that. Jack Nicholson he, character. And that's why oh, he ends up like yeah, flirting like he's and also in, b moving in with the girl. Like he's taking the steps that you're supposed to take, you know. And he's trying to move up and yeah. get everything done correctly. No, I, I, I mean, it, for the sake of discussing, I don't, you know, whether you use this or not. Uh, I was just gonna say that you know I, I've become more and more reluctant to uh, to want to pry into these these comments as like sexual orientation. I totally get your perspective on it. The more that you share it, especially as it being like an you know, an actor's detail for the character more than necessarily like the director indicating the character being, you know, one thing or another. Um, so, I, and again, I, I think there's, you know, there's, there's absolutely a, a, you know, a great point that you're making in this reading of, of the character sort of like losing his masculinity or, you know, however we want to, you know, say that from being, you know, from being called in this way by the, by, by Costello. So you're saying I'm right. <laughs> 
Okay, cool. I can hear that all day, man. So yeah, you could just you could have just said that. You've just been like, yeah, John, you're right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, it's 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 not a you you see a lot of like like virtue signaling in movies now where it's like gay for gay's sake. Where it's like I think that this was actually a really kind of layered character choice for him. I don't know if it came from him, from Scorsese, from the writer, whatever. But uh, I think that it was just something super interesting. And then you again, you're he's surrounded by like Jack and all these fucking gangsters, and then Leonardo's like banging his lady and like everyone can do everything that he wants to do but can't do uh and yeah i mean why not why not throw gay on top of that <laughs> it's Hollywood, the dog baby. doesn't like him yeah and <laughs> the movie was is 2006 but but i would just ask like does does that does that imply that it's set in 2006 i mean i feel like some of the stuff that you're talking about too has like a bit of like mid to late 90s feel like you know the the, the way the cops and the firefighters talk to each other even the way that um that that Sergeant Digna, Mark Wahlberg's character, kind of you know some of the things that he says throughout the movie or his attitude, it feels like it's you know somewhere in that mid '90s, I guess, to like mid aughts, where some of these kinds of things were just like, oh, that's how that's how dudes are, you know. I could tell you for a fact that it wasn't that it wasn't '80s, no, or '90s, because Matt Damon had the exact same cell phone that I had at the time. <laughs> I was going to say the uh, same thing. I was like, that cell phone technology. Cell phone. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That was actually, <laughs> that was actually a big part that got cut out. Cause like, uh, that there was, there was a bunch of scenes that, that they had filmed or that were in the script that had talked about like how cell phones at that time were always, um, like misfiring and, and fucking up and all that stuff. So like when he's walking down the alley and his phone just rings for no reason, like there's a reason for that. It's just not in the movie. You know what I mean? Like, it does just feel like, regardless, I mean, cell phones, like, cell phones and microprocessors, obviously, it's not, you know, 92, but um, it does feel like it, the, so much of this movie is just, like, steeped in that, like, bro-y culture, um, you know, and, and for obvious reasons, I think, in terms of, like, the police force and, and you know, that being maybe a little bit yeah, I mean, less progressive than other parts of society. And, and mobsters, you know what I mean? Like, so you kind of have, like, they say, I think Scorsese said the Leonardo DiCaprio character and the Matt Damon character are two sides of the same coin, you know what I mean? Like, they're both in these like ultra macho, uh, you know, worlds where like Matt Damon can't admit that either he's impotent or possibly homosexual. Leonardo DiCaprio can't admit that like he's having panic attacks and and he's on drugs and you know what I mean like you, using drugs to like like quell those horrible thoughts. Like yeah, they're not allowed to be who they want to be because they're surrounded by all these macho assholes. Yeah, everyone's faking who they are. Everyone's deep undercover. Everyone's deep. <laughs> Well, how about we get into this, guys? We'll also just talk about Let's this all do day. This. Let's get into, uh, we're going to do a little versus, Departed versus Deep Cover. Oswaldo, you want to do a quick rundown of the of the categories for us so people at home can play if they want? I do. We're going to start off with a big, big hitter here. The first one is Best Performance. Then we got Best Undercover Recruitment Interview, Best Superior Officer, Best Villain Sidekick, Best Villain, Best Character, Best Music, Best Action, Best Editing. Best Cinematography, Best Love Interest Slash Relationship, Toughest Undercover Situation to Be In, Best Emotional Breakdown. Then, of course, John, we got the three deaths. Most Brutal, Most Deserved, and Best Death. Then, Best Character Arc, Best Ending Sequence, Still Gone Wrong, and then we have Most Rewatchable Film at the end. There we go. 
so a whole much. bunch this of questions. This might be our biggest verses yet, and yeah. there's three of us. Oh my god, it's gonna take forever. It's gonna be the yeah. it's gonna be the best ever. Mm-hmm. Let's just uh, let's just <laughs> knock it out of the park right away. Best performance, Jordan. You're our let's guest today. You uh, you have an opinion? I'll keep score, and uh, you guys at home keep score for yourself. Yeah, I mean, there's a a, a ton of great performances in both these movies, but if, if I have to pick a favorite, I I've got to go with Martin Sheen and uh, and The Departed. I just I I just love the way that I mean, this is like a perfect Martin Sheen character. I feel like, you know, he, he's played so many facets of this character from like the West wing or, you know, it's sort of the, you know, the intelligent father figure type, but I just, I love the accent. I love, you know, the, the way he carries himself in every scene. And, and I love kind of the duality of how he has to deal with, uh, with Billy Costa. I do love throughout. the accent when he goes impossible. <laughs> he's like, you've been followed. He goes impossible. I lo- that's a great one. And then I like when he, when he tells yeah. him to yeah, stay yeah, yeah. for totally. supper. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's one, one for departed. Oswaldo, who do you think? Who do you think I'd give the best performance? I, I'm going to have to give it up to one of my favorite performances uh, of in a, in a while that I saw just every time he was on set, he definitely stole the show. I'm going to go with Jack Nicholson. Yeah. He was just so damn good. He was scary. He was crazy. He was out there. He was just insane, and he was like a lot of fun to watch in this movie. So, yeah, I uh, I totally I totally agree with you. I think I think uh, yeah, I think he looked like he was just having a ton of fun with the character, but then he was also yeah. like experimenting and like trying things I'd never seen him do before. Uh, it looked like it was super fun. Uh, it was super interesting, and then he goes from sometimes. like. He goes from like a goofy smartass to like a terrifying gangster at the drop of a hat. Like I think that he yeah. really and it's the obvious answer, but I think it's the right answer for me. Like I know uh, I, I didn't Jack want to pick him, but I was show. like, no, I didn't want to say no it. It's one, too no easy. But close. yeah, this this for me is like a perfect illustration of The Departed because like I love Jack's performance in in that I love to watch it. I don't think in terms of being like part of an ensemble, it ever leaves much room for anybody else yeah. whenever he's on screen. And he's constantly just like chewing up all the scenery. And That's it's like, character, though. I, I can imagine that like Jack was on set for like, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. Like, and I think it's a, in some respects, it's a great performance. I just like, I have like a, an enthusiasm for some of the subtlety of some of the other performances uh, it, it, instead of going down that road. Yeah, I no, I get that. Yeah, and yeah, and I, it, again, it everyone was, was so it was one good. of those things where, yeah, I wanted to say, I mean, there's so many characters I want to say, but it just, no one, when Jack was on screen, you weren't looking at anyone else. Now, is that because he was chewing the scenery and was just larger than life? Possibly, but he was also improving a lot. He was pushing a lot of buttons uh, when he was on set. You know what I mean? Like trying things, like he, like when he pulls the gun on Leonardo DiCaprio, like that wasn't in the script, like, there's all this stuff that he was doing that I think was also <laughs> getting a lot it. out of his co yeah his uh, co-stars too. So I just think he no I I, I hear you I I think this is a little bit of a study in Scorsese as, as far as I'm concerned. Like I would just give as an alternate example like in Casino and I, I I'm often more drawn to De Niro's performance like sort of being quiet and muted, especially considering a lot of other De Niro performances. Versus Pesci's performance in Casino, where I'm like, yeah, I know that Pesci can do this. Like, he can do this at the drop of a hat. Doesn't take away from it being a fantastic <laughs> performance. It is, you know, but it's just, uh, it's not yeah, quite it's as, as subtle. the Al Pacino paradox of like, yeah, everyone tells me this guy's an amazing actor, but he has two speeds. He has like, um, I'm serious, Al Pacino. And he has like, the greatest speed. You know what I mean? Like, he's either... <laughs> He's yeah. either coked out or waking up from a night of being coked out. Like those are the two Pacino speeds. But uh, <laughs> all right, so three, three for the departed. All right. Uh, any any thoughts before we get too deep into this about who's gonna who's gonna take this? Who's gonna run away with it? Oswaldo. Uh, I think just because of the complexity 
of The Departed, I think it gives us more options than what Deep Cover did. So I, I have a feeling yeah. that Departed is going is going to probably take it away. Uh, I feel like Departed is going to win, but I don't think it's going to be the runaway that a lot of people might think it is. Jordan, you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, this is a little bit like the the Yankees versus like a small market team. Like the, the Departed on paper is going to run away with this, just has more firepower. But I, I think we're going to find uh, you know some some pieces of deep cover kind of pretty deep you know, emerging yeah. to the surface I mean, yeah. as being you know pr- the pr- Departed. Pretty deep, I mean, pretty it's uncovered. obviously the bigger movie, but that doesn't always work in a film's favor. Sometimes that shit can get too much and get convoluted. You know what I mean? But I think in this case, it worked. The part it worked for the Departed, but because you had Scorsese, who was himself such a power, I think it wasn't a no. If it was like a no name kind of mid tier director, they would have run all over him. But I think Scorsese commands that kind of presence and and. Uh, I think that's what kept this movie on, on track this whole time. But, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, at first I thought it was going to be all departed, and then as I was going through, I was like, no, no, it's not as, it's not as far apart as I thought it was going to be. I mean, even, even in performances, we, we all ended up choosing actors from, from The Departed. But, I mean, Goldblum's performance is great. Fishburne's performance is great. Charles Martin Smith in Deep Cover is great. You know, so I, I, I think... You know, maybe they they lose the race, but they they finish you know in in a respectable position. And considering the budget and everything that went into these films, I think you know deep cover. Hey, and there's medals for second place. No it's okay, what. you know. <laughs> First loser. So as well, let's move on. Uh, best undercover recruitment interview. Let's see what you think about that. So the reason why I'm going to go with Departed is not because I I don't think Deep Cover did a good job with the storytelling, but. The main reason is I did not like the actor who played Carver. I thought he was pretty boring. Really? Okay. I felt like that could have been a much, that was such a good role. And I felt like he was, he just wasn't there. I felt like it it should have gone to someone else who, who would have taken a little more serious. Maybe it was just, I don't know. I just didn't like him as, I thought he did a bad job. So I felt like the interview process was really let me down, but as far as story goes, I definitely would hand it over to Deep Cover. But again, I was taken out by the guy's acting, so I'm gonna have to go really? to Departed. Yep. Okay, that's cool. That's yeah. Just because of uh, <laughs> Martin Sheen was so good. We have Martin Sheen and Mark Wahlberg, like just their 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 chemistry to well, talking with DiCaprio too was also really good. You know, that was more fun. Yeah. See, I like this question a lot because they, it's actually you see the two different movies try to accomplish the same goal, but through different approaches, right? So like Departed yeah. is telling him that, like Leonardo DiCaprio, like, you're wrong. This is not for you. You're a piece of shit. You're, you're, you're too smart to be here. You're not a fucking cop. You shouldn't be a cop. But then in Deep Cover, Charles Martin Smith is like, no, you're perfect for this because you're a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like they're coming at it from, <laughs> from both ends of this, this idea of like how to manipulate this kid into doing what they wanted to do. However, at the end of the day, I'm going to give it to the Departed because first of all, that was that that as as just abrasive as it was in Deep Cover, I thought it was really good. But man, fucking Wal- Wahlberg, <laughs> talk about chewing the scenery. <laughs> he fucking steals that whole scene. He goes both barrels at DiCaprio the entire <laughs> fucking time. But what I love about it is that Martin Sheen sits back and lets it happen, like it's a test. Like he's yeah, watching he how <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. He just sits back, and the only thing what does he say? He goes, "Is that is that uh, Hawthorne?" <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> "You don't know any Shakespeare?" Like. Overall, it's a super fun, yeah. entertaining scene. I'm giving it to the part. I like that scene better. Now, it obviously, if you were to switch these scenes in these movies, it wouldn't work. Like it's the movies, the scenes play to their movies perfectly. I think, but 
I think that I just liked, I just loved watching Mark Wahlberg in that scene. I really enjoyed it. Jordan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna agree. I, I, I would, I would choose the scene from The Departed as my favorite for for the reasons you guys have said. I mean, I just, I love the the back and forth uh, of it. Um, I think there's a a kind of, um, I don't, I don't know what the the best word for this would be, but there's kind of like a dignity to the way that it's handled for Fishburne's character in Deep Cover. That to your point, John, I think just it really sets up who he is as a character. The way that he, you know, kind of, uh, it's an opposite scene in many respects, right? Like. They, they beat DiCaprio's character down to get him to concede that this is something he's willing to do. And, and Fishburne's character kind of, you know, steps up into a more dignified role by not reacting to the to the N-word question. And it just gives him a kind of grace that I think, you know, the character takes takes forward in the film that, that makes it a super compelling scene, especially looking back on later in the film. But yeah, one, one for one comparison, the departed scene is, is more right. fun to departed. watch. Running away in the early innings, but uh, I think we're going to be catching up here in a minute. Uh, next up, we have Best Superior Officer. I mean, for me, it's got to be Queen and in The Departed. I mean, the dude, as rough <laughs> as that first scene is with him, uh, he actually starts to care about Bill and Billy during the operation. You know what I mean? Like, he's trying to get him out. He's trying to protect him. He invites him into his house to give him his food. He becomes, like, almost a fatherly figure, like a protective figure for him. Uh, at the end, he, he ends up sacrificing himself to keep Bill safe and alive i can't see carver inviting hall into his house or or telling him even anything about his personal life you know what i mean he sets himself up as a god and then treats Lawrence fishburne like he's one of his subjects the entire time so better superior officer as as far as like i took that to mean like who treated their person better who who would have gotten more out of their person i think uh queen in in the departed martin sheen jordan what do you think yeah in that sense i in, in that sense i would totally agree with you I think in some respects, the Charles Martin Smith character uh, is maybe, you know, more a reflection of of the bureaucracy of reality, uh, which which I find a, a really interesting take, especially as I, I you know, I'm not super inclined to uh, to be a, a huge fan of like glorifying the police force or police structure or, you know, the, the way some of these things kind of play out. So, well, again, Martin Sheen's my favorite performance in some respects. Queenan is one of my favorite characters in both of these movies. Uh, as it exists in a fictional world. I think that, you know, Carver in, in many ways is kind of holding up a mirror to some realities. You made the point about this. Look, this is an L.A. film that came out a couple of weeks before the L.A. riots. I, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of politics in there. Um, you know, it's also a film made by an African-American director about an African-American police officer. Um, and so I, I, I think some of those things are important. Uh, so I actually like the character of, of Carver more in terms of the the role in the film uh i agree with you completely that queenan is a better kind of caretaker of his agent um and probably the guy that i would rather sure. obviously yeah. work for <laughs> so then what, what you're going queenan or you're going <laughs> yeah you have I to just, pick one, so I have yeah, to pick one pick. right so i'm gonna I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna pick Carver. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna a little bit of that is like sentimentality to see sure, Carver sure, get sure. some points on the board too. And, but, and uh, when we say I'll best superior officer, it, you you can extrapolate from that whatever you want. You know what I mean? Like you can yeah, make it mean means, whatever you exactly. want to yourself. Yeah. Like we don't have any fucking rules here. We're making it up as we go along. Oswaldo, what do you think? Best supporter, best superior officer. I'm gonna have to go with with Martin Sheen. Just he was so damn good. He was so entertaining. He was uh, just the way he treated Leonardo DiCaprio was awesome. Like he was so lovable, so likable. I, again, like if I had to have one, I would I would definitely want him. And then hopefully yeah. Mark Wahlberg won't be in the room. <laughs> <laughs> screaming at me. 
Yeah. He's like, uh, it's like you're the stepson, like the stepbrother coming in, and Mark Wahlberg's like, this is my dad. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm going to give it to The Departed. All right. Departed. Uh, again, it's it's early. It's early still. Uh, but Departed's running away with it. Jordan, Mr. Jordan, we think best villain sidekick. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I just I love I love French and uh, and the Departed, um, and and it's it's funny because I the the person I think of as the sidekick of a villain and in, in Deep Cover is Gopher, who couldn't be more of an opposite <laughs> right. of French, and I just I. It, even if I'm going to choose French for, for maybe some obvious reasons, you know, like he, he, he has kind of, the, you know, the, he's the true psychopath, right? Like he, he's the character that I'm like, you know, drawn to in, in the way that you guys are saying, you know, Jack also obviously Jack, but like there's something about French that has that just like, you know, Tom Sizemore kind of psychopath on screen, you know, characteristic that I think is, is eminently fun to watch. But I love the idea of comparing him with with Gopher, even if, you know, uh, th- there's no way for Gopher really to win in the context of the conversation we're having. I think he is a, a hilarious addition to Deep Cover. He's like the perfect comic relief in in the role that he plays. Um, and, and I enjoy, you know, every minute. That <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, French from The Departed is amazing. Like he commands the room unless Frank is there. And then he just chills out and lets Frank do his thing. You know what I mean? Like he never takes the attention away from the boss. He just lets Frank do whatever he wants to do, and he's always got his back. Gopher reminded me too much of the uh, the lady from Poltergeist when he was like, no, he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's the little lady from Poltergeist. So, uh, yeah, I mean, dude, French Ray Winstone, dude, he's he's one of the – you talk about subtle performances, awesome. man. That guy's just brilliant. So. There, there's that great scene with him and Jack, too, where he's yeah, like, I'm loyal, you know, and, and in some respects it's – it's almost even like the two actors, like like Winstone being like, "No, I I also defer to you in terms of performance. Like I I can equal you in, in as you said, like anytime you're off screen. But like when we're on yeah. screen, well, together, apparently I they did not the get along at all in this movie. Like when filming, I could see that too. I can see that. <laughs> Oswaldo, what do you think, man? Best uh, you French or you Gopher? Man, Gopher was fucking awesome. I loved the way he looked. Like I could just watch him all day. I loved his performance. But again, if I had to have a sidekick, you know, I'm going to want Frenchie, Mr. French, uh, on my side there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Three. Three for Departed. I, I feel like uh, Gopher's one of these characters where I would watch an origin story <laughs> film about him. Like, how did he end up in in this role? Like, how are he It doesn't he fit, and, right? Uh, it's just weird. It, uh, it's Barbosa. <laughs> no. And but like but you can tell that like Barbosa would would literally like beat anybody in the room to death for Gopher and there's no have no exact idea why and I just I just love that relationship. Yeah. Um he was in A Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, right? Is that where he's I know him from? The actor? Gopher Gopher? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure he is. Yeah. Oh, that's another he one. He looks I like a cartoon, man. He's, yeah. he's so he cool. does. He does look like a cartoon. He it's almost the same character, and that might just be mess. him. In some <laughs> you guys are you guys are thinking kind of, of Danny DeVito. Yeah, that might be who he is. No, no, <laughs> Danny DeVito looks <laughs> no. kind of handsome in One Floor of the Cuckoo Nest. Yeah, because he was like pretty weird. Nineteen, yeah, and he then yeah. the next movie he was fifty, <laughs> and he's still fifty. Yeah. He's managed to maintain like consistently. I saw him at a, a restaurant out here, like I don't know, ten, eleven years ago or so. I was just standing at the bar having a drink before my work shift. <laughs> uh, I was about to go to work, so I was tying one on. And uh, yeah, he just comes walking up, and I see him. I give him a nod. He gives me a smile and a nod back. And he's all every every inch as short as everyone tells you he is. He's like maybe four nine or four ten, 
you know, but super nice. You know, apparently he can drink like a motherfucker. And he was there with Dennis from Always Sunny. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, I didn't bother him. I nice. just gave him the what up. I recognize you nod. Yeah, what up? You know. When you when you aside from the aside from the roles that Devito has done, and I they're not coming to me off the top of my head, but when you hear like parts that he was up for that he had to turn down for various reasons, other commitments, whatever, you're like, my God, like this dude, for his like stature and look and everything, he does so much so well that he almost had all of these iconic roles that yeah. you know, he has plenty already, but like other ones that that ended up going to other people just because he couldn't be there. He was supposed to be Jack and Titanic before Leonardo took over. <laughs> <laughs> he was supposed Perfect to play. Example. He was supposed to play the Titanic. That's a, <laughs> honestly, when you talk about movies that I would watch at any point in time from any point through, I would watch Danny DeVito's Titanic. Like, could he somehow play every part in that movie? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Titanic, the one man show by Danny DeVito. Yeah. Paint me like one of your French girls. Paint me like one of me's. <laughs> That's how James Cameron wrote yeah, it. The studio, studio interference. interference. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, we don't he have had that technology it, he had it yet. Written, like James Cameron just. It, yeah, no. If if you know Cameron, he just wanted to shoot a bare stage with DeVito <laughs> playing every role. That was the initial conceit, and the studio was like. They're like, you're the Abyss guy. Like, shouldn't you be doing like some some huge epic with like movie stars and shit? And he was like, I don't know, bare floorboards. Goes, and I'm gonna DeVito. develop What's a technology to where I can do this. And then like 20 years later, they're like, you can't do that. And he's like, fuck it, I'm making Avatar. <laughs> I'm making them blue. Yeah, <laughs> I'm making everybody blue. Everybody's blue. I still have not seen any of the Avatars. <laughs> I haven't seen the last one. I saw the first one in in theaters when it came out because everybody was like, oh, you just you at least have to go for the 3D technology. And I, I can remember being so distracted by like watching leaves fall in the background because the yeah. movie was so <laughs> bad that I, I couldn't tell you one thing that happened in it other than that there were leaves falling. That's really what I remember. That's what about it was, it. right? Wasn't it leaves? I remember I was yeah, interested. Leaves. I was like, oh, I'll go check. It's James Cameron. He's done. He's got some bangers. And then uh, they were like, yeah, they got to find this thing called unattainium. And I was like, nope, I'm fucking out. I am fucking out. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Out. Unattainium. I mean, what are Cameron bangers to you? There's there's T two, yeah. there's what the Abyss. I would watch the Abyss again. I haven't seen it so long. I don't know. I mean There's uh, Piranha three D. I mean he did T one also. He did Terminator One also. Yeah, which I love, but 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 T two is like is Sure. Is I'm just saying like as far as like skins like. on the wall, like James Cameron, you could say Terminator One, you could say Terminator yeah, Two. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Um yeah, the Abyss. Alita was good. I mean, he produced that. Piranha, Piranha, the Piranha one was like his first, was his first movie. As, yeah, because he had director, been a DP, right? I think, before that. Yeah, he was, he like was a Corman, Corman guy. guy they do so many right? fucking people were Corman guys. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like everybody. Uh, it's like cult, cult of people who all now hate Corman. Yeah. Who, who are, yeah, just like, just like Nexium in the Church of Scientology. <laughs> uh, he also did, but he also did Everybody's Aliens, a success. Remember? Yeah, which, but I, I don't know. I, Alien to me is like, is, is. Light but Alien, Aliens is amazing because you get Bill Paxton. Yeah, I mean True Lies. True. You know, I mean he had some he had some fucking hits, dude. Yeah, True Lies is but that might be is my favorite really? of the bunch we've named. Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, love True Lies. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was trying to remember and that's with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes, okay. I was trying to think. And of what Tom that Arnold's Tom greatest Arnold. performance. The great Tom Arnold's Tom best Arnold. movie ever. <laughs> also, like yeah, they, also they caught Tia Carrere at like, her absolute hottest. Like that movie is Tia Carrere as a ten. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with that. I haven't written a joke that works for for this concept, but I think John, I think I know you'll appreciate this. I've just all day long it popped into my head, and I've been thinking about 
Aphex Twins, which is like the progressive dance group that's DeVito and Schwarzenegger. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll work we'll 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 workshop anyway. it later. Yeah, no, I like <laughs> that. The Apex Twins. Uh, well, Twins Two is in is it in production now or is it? I keep I've heard rumors about that. When it's isn't it with like Eddie Murphy a, or it something? It was supposed to be Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I, so. I don't know if that's still happening or not. All right, let's get back to this. Or else this episode is going to be five hours long. Uh, Oswaldo, best villain. Yep. I feel like this is this is like secondary now. Yeah, best villain. All right, that's easy. I'm just gonna go with Jack. Well, you're all you got. You both chose Jack. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be it's so gonna, gonna be Jack, Jack man. Right. I mean, for the same reasons. We'll justify before. it. Maybe maybe I'm just maybe I'm just interested in playing contrarian because as much as I love Nicholson, I just don't I just don't want to give him total kudos for well I just want to honor well, other that, people in these movies. I feel like um like that's Jack fine. But so if you think about me, like but, with Frank Costello though, you know that like from the minute you see him. In, the, in like the flashback to like the second you see him die on screen, he's the bad guy. He's the ultimate bad guy in this movie. With Deep Cover, you just keep having these like different ladders that you keep going up. You know what I mean? Like, like oh, this drug dealer to like this drug dealer to this drug dealer. So Well, and I actually think, I think all those characters are pretty negligible, right? Like I think the most, the most interesting character who's basically like an anti-hero, I wouldn't necessarily call him a villain, but it's Goldblum, you know? The way that he sort of like transforms from where he is at the, at the beginning of the film to the guy, you know, at, at the end of the film when, uh, you know, bef- before he dies, like that's when he sort of starts to embody like this more like villainous, psychotic. I mean, pl- plus he he kills Barbosa, right? Like he, the turn that he takes halfway through the movie, I find super interesting. And so and you I put Goldblum as the best villain. I put Goldblum, and again, like I, I'm willing to recognize some of this is like you know want, wanting to throw it's some okay, points man. on the board. It's okay, man. You don't cover. You don't and, have to and fight and it. It's just, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I also just I want to recognize the greatness of Goldblum, and and I think this version of Jeff Goldblum got lost, you know, somewhere, you know, 20 years ago, and uh, and is worth rediscovering. Um, I maybe he's just not this this guy as actor anymore because he's so into like he's he's turned into a, a caricature of, Goldblum, of himself but. now. So it's like yeah, it's like that happens. You know what I mean? It, it's just yeah. if you if you get if you get that one thing that people like and they keep hiring for you just you just bury it. You know what I mean? You go you go both barrels <laughs> into into that one thing. So yeah, Jeff Gold. Yeah, but this was like the yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying that this is him. I'm saying yeah, I'm saying this is the end of that era of him being like like the fly and doing like cool, handsome guy shit. You know what I mean? Um, but no, it's fine. I mean, I like that answer. That's a cool kind of out of the box answer. I dig it. Um, yeah, because the 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 deep cover doesn't really have a set bad guy. You think it's gonna? Be, it's like the end of Baby Driver. I always complain about the end of Baby Driver, where it's like. Act three, you have Kevin Spacey, who's been the bad guy the entire time, and then he's just like, hey, I'm the good guy now. And they're like, oh, uh, Jimmy Fox is the bad guy. And they're like, oh, fuck him. And then they they kill Jimmy Fox. It's like, no, 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 John Hamm's the bad guy. And you're like, who the fuck is the bad guy? Like, I got that a little bit from Deep Cover. So it actually makes sense that Goldblum would be considered the villain of Deep Cover. Because uh, you also see him, you like you said, you see him turn from not a good guy, but more like a regular guy into a really bad guy. Um yeah, I mean, he he as much as uh, Fishburne's character gets sucked really down the the sort of uh, rabbit hole of of the, the cartel or whatever, and then the, the other case for bad guy in uh, in Deep Cover sure. would be Carver yeah. by the end, you know, that he basically just like fucks him over, becomes you know total bureaucrat, um, and he's not a good guy. So yeah, at all in that movie to begin with, yeah. <laughs> like, ever, <laughs> ever, yeah, yeah. The first you know the 
The first yeah. 20 words you hear him say, a third of them are the N-word. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, fuck, dude. Yeah. Uh, all right, so two departed, one for deep cover. Whose turn is it? Whose turn to go first? Is it mine? I think so. Best character. Yeah, you. I'll give him my first point to deep cover with best character. All right. And you know who it is? Motherfucking Ivy. That dude, he talked to Terminator quotes. He's got a hot girlfriend who drives him around and pulls guns. <laughs> She's ready for anything. When he's in the bathroom and fucking Lawrence Fishburne walks up on him, he literally pisses on his feet. And he's like, you should have shot me in the back, bitch. You want to suck it? I loved the character of Ivy because he's so over the top. He's such like an eight, late 80s, early 90s gangster bad guy. He was fucking perfect. So I'm giving my first point to Ivy from Deep Cover. I'm glad you brought him up because I, I had forgotten to mention it. Do you think that Duke was like, hey, uh, I need you to quote Schwarzenegger, my boy from from Predator, as much as you can get away with? Yeah, movie? I mean, possibly he could have been he could have been a middle finger or a wink and a nod or something. I don't know. But uh, he, he I, I hadn't I hadn't thought about we that. We should find out if Schwarzenegger helped get yeah, this right? movie funded. He, I wonder I th- Arnold Arnold either financed it or like he maybe got an he got like an executive producer credit and, and well, originally was he was gonna play the character and then he like had that. to back out to do true lies <laughs> and they hired this that would guy be great. That's, yeah. a, that's another great yeah. casting like, well, it's either Dave Arnold Schwarzenegger or this random guy who's not in anything else. Especially at this at this point in time, because this is like peak Arnold. So he would have been like enormous and jacked and super Austrian and playing like a drug dealer on the streets of uh of of LA, I, I'm not so sure that he's uh, not. <laughs> I would have loved it. Would have been perfect. All right, now we got to do that. So we got to do Danny DeVito's Titanic. We got to do Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> as, but with deepfake technology, we can do that. Yeah, as Ivy, Ivy Schwarzenegger. I, I will say, 1992 though, a lot of people were quoting Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like he, it was like the funny thing to do. I'll be back. It was all over like the Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Like oh, a lot yeah. of shows were doing it because that was right so around. It could have just been like him making fun of people. Yeah, making fun of people that 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 just constantly quote other people. Yeah, in the zeitgeist. he probably knew somebody who was always like making fun of him. And he's like, just just be like this guy. So I would. He just knows Arnold. And case. Fuck him. I don't. I want just to, felt like. like fuck that guy. <laughs> I don't even remember exactly at which point in the movie, but the, the first thing that he says that's like a Schwarzenegger quote. You really, yeah. He doesn't come out like, and like acknowledge that it's yeah, a Schwarzenegger like, quote. La Vista or. But then he he goes out of his way. He goes out of his way later to be like, "Did you see that movie?" And then you should quotes check it, it out or something. It just seems like it's. <laughs> He's going yeah. a long way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should check yeah, it out. Also, so La Vista, good. baby. Ivy's the best yeah. character in both movies. Uh, other All thoughts, right. Oswaldo? Well, since I can't change my mind, because I already picked mine, because you just convinced <laughs> me that he was the best character, uh, I'm going to have to go with Russell Stevens Jr. So I think Lawrence Fishburne's um, character was amazing. He okay. had such a complicated the role. It, the, yeah. I, yeah, the subtlety. I mean, just everything. Like the The situation he was put in, I think is, and we'll probably go over this as we go through more questions, but I think the situation that he was put in, what that character actually had to go through, how much shit he had to do for basically nothing, like that, that would just break somebody. And like, just to, to have that complication in your life, I think is super interesting. And just Lawrence Fishburne did such a good job. That's two for uh, deep cover. I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm going to agree with that character choice. And I just want to pile on top like one one uh, aspect of it, which is you you also get that internal monologue, which we we could have a whole separate voiceover discussion, which we don't really need to, but like you you get this like extra perspective, and he's doing this kind of like 
literary, like semi-religious, like kind of overlay on like the whole tone. Not, not religious in the sense of like God worship, but more like, you know, sort of analytical, like the, this is the, the church of the streets kind of thing that I think you just get like the closest to him of any of the characters in either of these movies. Good point. Yeah, but That's, then IVP's yeah. on him, so yeah. That's true. <laughs> and he I was all afraid did... to shoot him. That was good though. Like he was like afraid. I like that. Like he just didn't well, want to do Well, he's a cop. It. He can't just shoot somebody yeah. for no reason. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like you got to draw. And he but did. That, that's I the drew thing. That he's a good person. Fucking pissed on his shoes. <laughs> Everything that he learned was bad as a kid, he had to do as a grown up. And, and trying to yeah. like for a good reason or for a good cause. So he thought. And so, like that, just that whole complexity, I thought was was awesome. Yeah, totally. No, I agree. I 100 yeah. agree with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, th th this I think is getting back into a little bit of why like Deep Cover is a good movie because in the last couple of questions we've talked about uh, David Jason Goldblum's character and now Lawrence Fishburne kind of being, you know, like flipped between their worlds through the film, right? Like Fishburne's character comes, you know, like from the streets goes into the police force gets like pulled back into this like sort of you know criminal world kind of semi buys into it for a minute has to go against the police force to to literally survive and also maintain his cover <laughs> then finds out the police force has fucked him over david jason same kind of thing he's a lawyer he's doing some things that are good you know he basically bails you know uh, russell stevens hour gets him gets him off when he uh you know when, when he when he goes in front of the, the judge and uh, and then ultimately goes completely nuts, is like coked out, murdering people, and goes totally off the deep end. So th like that that back and forth, that chaotic back and forth, as opposed to the somewhat more like scripted version in The Departed, I, I find All right. quite. Deep cover getting some points on the board. I love it. I knew it yeah. wasn't going to be a runaway. So Os Oswaldo, you might not know this. Jordan is also a musician. So uh, Jordan, oh, why, nice. don't you, why don't you give us your thoughts on best music? Okay, so I I have to choose deep cover for this. And the, the reason is because, um, first of all, it's just like a great time capsule of like 90s kind of R&B and, and hip hop. Um, and then the other reason is, is a, a ding that I'm going to give to The Departed, not because it doesn't have good music in it. It does. But it has like, it's the Scorsese playbook of music, right? It's like, uh, yeah, like every time that Scorsese wants you to know that it's the 1970s, you know that you're going to get a Stone song. You know, there are also two choices that I object to outright, which is the the overuse of the Flogging Molly's track and then the gratuitous waste of a Pink Floyd oh. song on what I find to be like a really boring <laughs> and dragged out sex scene. And it's also like one of the worst live recordings yeah. of that song. And also one of my, as much as it's a great song, one of the most overplayed and my least favorite as a totally. result. Of Pink was Floyd it actually song. Pink Floyd? So it sounded like a cover. Take that, The Departed. It was them live, wasn't it? No, yeah. it's like it's uh, a live it's it's a live version, and it might be a live version after Roger Waters has left the band. I'm I'm not 100 percent. So sure. okay. I 100 percent agree with absolutely everything you just said. I literally those were all of my notes. <laughs> it's like it's a perfect fucking period. It's a period specific score, early 90s hip hop, um, and Scorsese. It was it's a uh, Dropkick Murphys by the way, not not Flogging Molly, yeah. but like. Yeah, they play that fucking song oh, like sorry. four I'm times sorry. in that movie. It's like, I get it, man. I twice. get it. Just twice. Is it twice? Okay. It felt like yeah. a million times. Uh, and then, yeah, the same thing. It's it's the usual Scorsese. He's got his his old, you know, four-pack four CD folder that he flums through, and he's like, oh, yeah, Rolling Stones, no problem. Like, there's nothing new there. So I'm 100% giving it to Deep Cover. Oswaldo? I'm going to agree 
100%. Yeah. Absolutely. For all the all those points. Um, the opening with the Dropkick Murphy, like when I remember seeing in the theater and I was like, yes, this is awesome. That hit really hard and I thought that was well done. It was perfect because they're from Boston. This takes place in Boston. The whole thing was really cool. But again, yeah, it was the same boring songs over and over again. But like Deep Cover Head, like some like Mr. Loverman, Ragtime, Snoop Dogg calling 187 on a motherfucking cop. Come on. <laughs> well, that so was good. Snoop's. That yeah, was Snoop's it, it was first just... song ever. Like that deep. That co- song he did with uh, Dre it was called "Deep Cover" for the for the movie, and it was the first time Snoop had ever been in the studio. Yeah. Was for that song. So it's like, yeah, man, it's fucking oh, history, right? there. That's so good. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's yeah. like, and I, I, I mean, I'm not think no about disrespect it, to the Dropkick I, Murphys, but you know, yeah, they're, I mean, they're. But a good I didn't even punk think band. about how how much of a yeah, time. I feel bad that, that I said Foggy Molly because I even wrote down Dropkick Murphys in my note. Yeah, the Irish Irish punk. Yeah, same shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oswaldo, best action. You have any thoughts on that? Best action. So, it was kind of tough because the action. I did not like the action in Deep Cover mainly because of the way it was shot and just just presented. And I think we'll maybe talk more about that when we talk about cinematography. Oh wait, no, sorry for about editing. But I just didn't like the way it was put together. So I'm going to have to go with Departed. Just the action itself was was super violent and quick and realistic where I, I felt um, I felt like it was just done right. I didn't I didn't like what Deep covered how it was put together. Awesome. Jordan, you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think this is it's an easy pick, but it's also a, just a complete function of, in, in my opinion, of of budget and you know the cast of characters attached to a film like the departed like they've obviously got you know they're they're probably a few days devoted to any of the quote-unquote action sequences yeah. in the departed and i feel like in deep cover they're like guys we got 45 minutes in a in this nightclub bathroom before uh before they go live for the night you know we just, gotta just get pee on them just pee on them get our go. shit done so <laughs> quick pee yeah whip I, I it think, out yeah that wasn't even in the script yeah, just, <laughs> they didn't have time yeah i <laughs> I think uh, there's really no way for for deep yeah, cover to be. No, able I agree. To keep up. I am going to say 100 uh, agree with all that. Plus, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio gets hit in the face with a kid's toy. That's hilarious. <laughs> that scene is great. That might be my, one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. But I the the one the one knock on some of the cinematography, editing, action sequences of The Departed for me would just be that you know again it's the Scorsese playbook. It's like steady cam shot, and then we're gonna get like you know action of somebody punching somebody and then the camera moving quickly to another perspective and like none of it's bad in fact it's all great but it's not like he stopped being original with with the way that he shoots a lot of these sequences you know pr- probably after good it's burying the lead a little bit on our next two categories there but <laughs> it's all good no no it's all good man <laughs> sorry sorry like i said there's no fucking rules here um so okay moving on yeah, it's moving on next to bomb. best editing whose turn is it i think it's your turn john oh my turn okay uh, mm-hmm. then I will, yeah, I'm going to give it to Departed, man. The editing was super frenetic and fast paced and panicked. And, uh, DiCaprio says that he wanted Bill to feel like he was, he was portraying him like he was about to have a heart attack the entire time. And, uh, I think that's what they did. I think they did that with the editing. Um, plus there's little things they did where like, uh, Matt Damon's like, oh, I don't trust half the troopers out there. And then there's a quick flash to Berrigan, who's the guy who ends up also being a Costello man, you know, at the end. So it's something you wouldn't notice until you have multiple watches, but they do that a lot. And uh, yeah, I think the editing wasn't bad in deep cover. It just wasn't anything special. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Departed. Yeah, I mean, as I already kind of hinted, I, I think 
in some respects, you know, the, the, comparing these aspects of Deep Cover to The Departed is like, you know, comparing a, a, a play to a Hollywood film. Like, there's just, you know, they, I don't think they had as, as many resources when they were shooting or in post to even, you know, make a ton of decisions. I think that, you know, Deep Cover is a movie that probably lives or dies by, like, what they got on the day and, you know, what, what the actors' performances were. And it's also not, in terms of structure and construction... Like, it can't keep up with what The Departed is is attempting to do in terms of, you know, how the plot moves between different POVs and different storylines and, you know. So, yeah, and if we're, if we're, if we're picking we are, a winner... We are picking Departed. a winner. Oswaldo, pick your winner. For the same reasons you guys picked Departed, for sure. So, he, here's my problem with, especially the editing in Deep Cover, those, those two action scenes, like, when the kid gets shot and also when, like, Lawrence's uh, father gets shot... The way they were cut, like, threw me off. Like, I didn't know what angle was what. Like, it just, it was just weirdly shot and weirdly cut. And it just, like, really took like me Like, they were crossing the line on it, or, like... Yeah, it, maybe that's what was going on. I didn't jump, go back to watch line? it. Yeah, yeah they, they could have been crossing the line. But it just, it just threw me off, like, physically. I didn't know where they were. Like, he was next to him, and then all of a sudden he was running, and then he shoots him from far away. It just didn't make sense. There was little moments like that that I felt like they... And I don't think it was the the fault of the director. I think it was the editing was just sloppy sometimes because I, I think the direction of this film was great, but just little moments like that just kind of really threw me off. And then what I really liked about the editing in The Departed was this is a two and a half hour movie. I, it does not feel like it though. It moves so smooth, so fast, and like it's constantly entertaining. The cutting back and forth between all the characters, it's just really, really well put together uh -huh. and i don't know if that's script back, as much as back running away i'm very with curious it. to see <laughs> yeah i'm very curious well, to I mean, see if originally it was written to to go back and forth so much or if, or if they were like all right well here's his story his story or why don't we just chop it all up together yeah i don't know i mean the 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 pacing is always going to be on the editor so everything like yeah. you know a, a weaker editor that could have been a three and a half hour movie and people would have fucking hated it they'd be like you know this movie would have been great me i would have said that this movie would have been great yeah. if it was two and a half hours yeah uh, so no, I think they did it right. There wasn't a ton of fat on it. There wasn't a bunch of fucking nonsense and shit. So no, I think they did a good job. I think they did some, they made some, uh, bolder choices too. So yeah, three, three more departed. I do. I do think for, for what it's worth, I think, uh, the, the Vera Formiga stuff, uh, her name's especially Farmer Farm Vagina, by the way. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say especially <laughs> Farmer, far, sorry, Farmer Vagina. I feel like either those scenes pretty much almost any scene with her is either like underwritten or or under edited like the the first date scene for example in the departed is like one of the scenes in the film that just makes me cringe like i don't i don't find like that dialogue super believable i feel like it, it takes a little bit longer to to get through than it needs to and also the the aforementioned uh comfortably numb love scene I just feel like drags on forever at that point in the movie where you're like, there's so much else going on that. that yeah, I, but I wanna, if you think to. about it, uh, if Leonardo DiCaprio said he was playing Bill like he was having a heart attack, so they edited it like that. When he was with Madeline, that would be the only times where he wasn't feeling like he's having a heart attack. So it would make sense to like slow it down, you know, what I mean? because his heart rate would be slowed down, his his anxiety would be slowed down because he's actually with someone who he gives a shit about, who who likes him. You know what I mean? Like, there's no one else in them. He says it at the end. He's like, "There's nobody else. There's I nobody guess. else." Like, I, so it makes it makes sense it, it, to it, me for that. You know, I know, but I don't. It makes sense logically, but I don't. I don't buy it or invest in it. <laughs> watching it, and and actually, I think like 
I think some of some of the plot lines, or both of the, there are two plot lines involving her, are some of the the weakest tied together threads of the film. I understand why it's in there and what they're trying to do with it. I also think it's a little bit like on the nose at times that it's like, okay, these two characters are caught in these two different love triangles, you know, and and look, this whole this whole web is all tied together. And at times, the way that I don't, I think her performance is good with what she's given. But I don't feel like she's like, you know, wholly inflated as a human character. And there are moments that as a result, it feels like that those plot lines are inserted into the movie because, you know, the the writing and the direction wants him to be there, but not necessarily because. Well, you know, what's crazy, too, is her character is actually if you watch the original was a deep cover. uh, It's actually two characters that they smashed into one. So it's like if you think if you think that character doesn't really bring a lot to the table, you should see her split in half. Which I guess we do during the comfortably gnome scene. <laughs> All right, let's move on real fast. All right, um, best cinematography. So we're basically talking about uh, Michael Balhaus, uh, who did Gangs in New York, Goodfellas, Bram Stoker's Dracula. He's been around a long, long time. Versus, and he was um, a Scorsese's guy. Versus Bohan Bazelli, who did uh, King of New York, Surviving the Game, the Brad Pitt movie California. Like he's another one who's been around. Uh, a long time. Balhaus is kind of the bigger name, but uh, that's basically, we're talking cinematography, that's who we're going to be comparing. Um, Osvaldo, what do you think? I'm going to go with Deep Cover. It was a lot more interesting visually. They did a lot more things with like skewed camera angles. I felt like they were more trying to experiment with different looks than, than what The Departed did. Like, the Departed looked clean. It was smooth. It was it was nice, but n- nothing about it like there was no real shots where I was like, "Ooh, that that was that was really well done." Most of it was just like quick and and fast. With deep cover, especially with the budget they had, they they really focused on making sure that they made things look good. You know, with different lightings, different colors, it was all just well well done for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree, uh, aside from what I said before about b- budget. Otherwise, I mean, this the Departed, you know, they have every tool in the in the tool chest and they basically go out and, and shoot a Scorsese movie, which at the end of the day, like, looks great. The camera moves great. But I feel like Deep Cover did a lot more with less. And I felt like there was something that felt, like, super authentic to the world of Deep Cover and even, like, a little bit unique to the world of Deep Cover. Whereas The Departed, you know, again, it's a, it, it felt like a Scorsese yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked what he did with a lot of the lighting and stuff in, in Deep Cover, like when he's, he's watching the projector and it's behind his head. Um, that opening shot, though, where it's like the person smoking crack and it's, I don't know what the fuck that was. It, like, it looked like an old Nick Nolte movie, like The Good Thief, where like, it's just oh, like every was, like, I felt like I was... fourth frame. is, And I was like, is this? So I, I blame the cinematographer for that one. I don't know if it was his fault or not. <laughs> He should have he should have shot at the correct frame rate if they were going to slow it down like that. Like I thought my because it was the first movie I ever watched on the Criterion Channel, so I thought like my <laughs> app was skipping. You know, um, I mean they did some kind of cool stuff. So I just thought they were going for like a strobe lighty like nineties music then they, video. Then they they bring that they bring that effect. same shot back later and they just use it again. Yeah, no, it, it was it was shot at twenty four frames per second and slowed down. It was literally like a four or six second shot that was stretched out for a full minute almost. Yeah. I I so I like we were seeing like frame per second, dude. It was it, it was, was so distracting. Yeah. It was so terrible. I mean, he did some cool stuff too. There's the scene with Taft and Hall where they're talking, where like they're both kind of positioned instead of on the outside thirds, on the inside thirds, and it kind of throws you off. Like uh, Mr. Robot kind of got really into that stuff, and it really kind of is 
makes you a little disjointed as a viewer. And I get all that stuff, but I'm still going to go with um, Departed because I think that everything you guys are saying is true about it being a Scorsese film. But I think he did stuff that you guys didn't necessarily see. Like when Baldwin and, and Mark Wahlberg are talking to each other in front of everybody and they're doing these crazy like whip pans and and uh, like whip pan dolly moves for like this weird, like it's it's kind of like a power play about who's in charge. Like um, he does stuff where there's just like the random like like black circle that eventually zooms out into the whole thing. Like at first I was like, oh, that's all. He just stole all that kind of stuff from from the original. But then you find out like these guys didn't even watch the original. So like I just think that he pushed things a little further. Now, he was also further ahead in his career. He had a bigger budget. I get all that stuff. But I just think that Departed, he actually did a lot more cooler stuff than you guys are giving him credit for. So I'm going to go with uh, Ball House and give it to Departed. That's fine. There was some cool stuff, but it just wasn't. It just wasn't no, as interesting. I get it. I just think that I and I get it for the money too. Like especially doing low budget cinema myself, where it's like you have to make things look cool with very little bit of money. But the goal is always to have as much money as you possibly can to do stuff. And then he got it, and he, I think he did some cool stuff with it. So uh, Jordan, uh, what do you think is best love interest or relationship? What do you think? Oh, I hate <laughs> I hate both of these plot lines and both of the movies. I feel like they're like, they're such classic examples of, okay, we've got these stories. Now we need to find a role for, you know, for, for our protagonist to, to get involved with, you know, with a relationship of some sort. So I don't know if I have to pick one, the more interesting one to me is the departed, but um, you can say no, sit I, out. You don't have to give it a no point. Rules. Yeah. We've done that before. You don't give yeah. people points. All I, right. I can do it. I'll do a pass. What do you think? Oswaldo? I'll pass this one. I agree that the 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 love interest in Deep Cover was just there because I think that's what you do in movies. You put a love interest. I didn't feel like there was any love between them. However, with uh, Vera, what do you call, what do you say? Her last Farmer name Vagina. <laughs> with Vera Farmer Vagina, there was love between me and her. Uh-huh. For some reason, I have like a huge crush on her. Um, but she was also like an interesting character, and I loved the way. I loved her reactions to all the characters. I felt they were really ge- genuine. Um, so I'm just going to go with uh, The Departed. Okay. Takes, takes, she takes my point away. Uh, look, I, to, to clarify, I think she's great. And I think that uh, her performance is great. And in some respects, like the character is interesting. It just seems to me like it's it's again it's a bit on the nose or it's a bit intentional to have like this character inserted into the middle of this world to be like another axis of orbit for everybody to revolve around. Um, and it just seems, I don't know. It yeah. seems too intentional to me. Anyway, I'll, uh, I'll back away. I'm going to go uh, on the other side of that coin with, I'm going to take Betty from deep cover because that chick parties, she fucking embezzles money. She does drugs. She's into like art and culture. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't really like how she bounces on him at the end, but Madeline's just this fucking hypocritical nerd. Like, plus if you were in a relationship with her, she would just be like, psychoanalyzing you the entire fucking time just breaking you down while <laughs> cheating on you no fuck that she's a pain in the ass uh betty parties she's my girl plus i like black chicks so boom done easy what is the question who would you rather be with or no best best, love, best love best love interest or relationship you could take it for whatever you wanted to right. yeah i thought we I'm said doing. you can define right. how yeah exactly black chick does blow <laughs> fucking sells art what else do i need <laughs> she got money. I feel like Betty will also kind of take me for who I am. I feel like Madeline's going to try to change me. She'll try to put a picture of herself. 
in your living room. Fuck that. Can anyone, by the way, maybe I'm naive to that. Like, is he trying to protect her? Why does he not let her put the fucking picture up in the in the room in the, the department? I think because he's a dick. You think that's what it is? I thought it was. I thought it was like he was like if somebody came over, he didn't want to have like who she was up to kind of keep her safe. But it doesn't because everybody never made sense. But of course, if he's if he's gay, then he doesn't want his girl. You know, he doesn't want to look at her. Well, I was gonna say if if he's gay, he probably has a heightened super like fashionable, (laughs) and so he probably doesn't approve. This is gonna throw off the feng shui. So, yeah, (laughs) I like that answer. We'll give that. (laughs) The party gets another point. Um. Toughest undercover situation to be in. I'm going to have to go deep cover on that one, man. Like, Carver's the only one who knows Stevens is whole and that he's a cop. Uh, Same thing with Departed, obviously. You have two guys who know that Leonardo DiCaprio's a cop. Um, But in deep cover, Hole is actively being chased by cops, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, They're interacting with him directly, which you don't really see a lot in... The Departed, like they're kind of like watching him, but they're not like fucking with him the way they fuck with Lawrence Fishburne and they're chasing him. And then when he's doing what he's supposed to do and he buys all the drugs and Carver's like, well, I can't buy all those drugs. He's like, well, what do you want to do with me? He's like, well, go sell them. So now he's being encouraged. to. He's a cop being encouraged to sell drugs. Like he's literally buying the drugs with the people he works for and then they won't buy them. So that to me is way tougher than just being like a low level goon with with the Irish mob in Boston. Yeah, and then Carver just fucks him completely. At least, like, you know, even after, you know, the shit hits the fan and the departed, Dignam still shows up at the end to kind of clean house a little bit. (laughs) Like, sure, Costigan's gone by that point, but, like, at least on some level they had his back. Yeah, totally. Because, like, I feel like if if Lawrence Fisherman had been killed in deep cover, they'd just been like, yeah, whatever. You know, like, basically they would have been the Mark Wahlberg in the beginning where he's like, hey, you think he's dead already? So, Jordan, you're giving another one to deep cover? Osvaldo, what do you think, buddy? Yeah. We're going to give it a third. Yeah, for the, for the reasons I mentioned three before. Three. like, Yeah, that situation that you're in, everything he stood for, he is now, everything he hated, the reason why he became a cop, he's doing that on the complete opposite end. Yeah. You know? And of course, it, it's, and it's to his own people too, which, you know, is even harder. It sucks. And he's trying to help them, but he's ruining like lives. Yeah. Leo could kind of like yeah. fly under the radar, but like Lawrence Fishburne was put into the shit. So cool. Three for uh three more for deep cover. Leo was was hitting people. Yeah, but he wasn't shooting people in bathrooms after the peed on his shoes and selling drugs. He actually he was yeah. actually anti-selling drugs. Remember? He's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh <laughs> man, deep cover's coming back. He he gets to drink cranberry juice throughout. Yeah. And just, you know. I guess neither of them really drink, <laughs> right? I mean, I eventually Lawrence Fishburne drinks, but that's I guess neither of them are really uh really drink alcohol. That's interesting. And he manages to avoid like doing cocaine. Lawrence Fish? No, Leonardo DiCaprio does. No, Fishburne has that scene in uh, in Betty's shop where they offer him cocaine, and he he manages to be able to basically you know refuse without without yeah. having an effect. But then he just cover. goes, he just jumps both. Is both DiCaprio ever in. offered cocaine in, in uh, the Departed? I don't remember. Think he? Is. No, he's not. No, but he's again yeah, though. It's just they're both kind of teetotalers and stuff at the beginning, and you know. Cranberry juice, yeah. Lawrence Fishburne doesn't. He's like, oh, it's my first yeah. drink. I like this shit. First of all, nobody, if they're drinking out of a flask, that's not going to be a drink that you drink for the first time. You're like, hey, this is pretty good because that's like straight whiskey probably. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially not like like eight seconds after you drink it. Yeah. Like maybe 10 minutes later when buzz, you're like, oh, yeah. I kind of got a little buzz. <laughs> like, this is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on. Uh, best emotional breakdown moment. Jordan, you got one for us? 
Yeah, I there there are a number in both movies to to potentially choose from, but my favorite is uh is Di- DiCaprio when he just loses it in therapy because he's uh when he's like, "What do you think? Yeah. I'll just go out on the street and score smack, <laughs> get me score a dope, whatever he says." That's, that's scotch. My... Yeah, he's doing that fucking accent. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. There you go. Oswaldo, what do you think, pal? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with uh I'll I'll go with the one in the car when he's like what he said he's like, "What are you going to just chop me up and feed me to the poor?" When he's just like going nuts and losing it with uh, both Mark Wahlberg and uh, Martin Sheen, I, th- I, okay. I thought that was a good yeah. one there. I'm gonna go with that one. Okay, that's interesting. I'm gonna go with Departed, but I'm not going with Leo. I'm actually going with Alec Baldwin because when he finds out there's no cameras in the back of that Chinese deal and he freaks out and loses it, <laughs> he grabs a tech uh-huh. guy and just like beats the shit out of him in front of everyone. Like that's the most honest breakdown. It's so hilarious and over the top. And plus, I feel like Alec Baldwin would actually behave that way in real life. So I'm giving it to the party, but for Alec Baldwin. So <laughs> we we haven't talked about Alec Baldwin at all, which is which is unfair because for the three minutes he's on screen, yeah. he's great in this movie. The the moment where he's like just just the one line where he grabs the guy and puts him in a headlock. Oh he's my like, god, Patriot dude. Act, Patriot <laughs> Act. Uh, that's one of my the, favorite the, lines. The, of the him and and Mark Wahlberg just fucking steal that movie, man. They're both yeah. so good in that movie. It's unbelievable. We also haven't mentioned Donnie Wahlberg at all, who who does also make an appearance. I'm not sure. Oh, if he, he, has he a does. Line, actually, I don't know that it's Donnie. It might be a different Wahlberg, actually. Uh, it's definitely it a Wahlberg. Be. No, it's, because it's he walks in, sure, he's playing though. the FBI agent. It's one of my yeah. favorite lines because it's Mark Wahlberg being an asshole, and it's to his brother because he's like uh, he's Micro talking about the guy who gets killed stealing the microprocessors. Kenneth, Kenneth exactly, Fick. and he's like, yeah, he uh, graduate. He he got in with a forged UMass uh, transcript, Boston. He goes South Boston. He goes. Oh, good job, asshole. Who forged your fucking transcript? <laughs> it's so fucking good. Um, but he's like yelling at another Wahlberg. We're not trying to solve oh, the case of the missing so scumbag. Their little interaction. Yeah. How's your mother? Yeah, she's good. She's tired from fucking my father. <laughs> I like when he's like, don't judge him by this one interaction. I, uh, I feel like that was improv too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Don't judge him. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. When they're fucking, when they're, they're hitting golf balls and he's like, uh, you have an immaculate record. Some people don't trust a man with an immaculate record. I do. I have an immaculate record. And he's like drinking <laughs> Bud Heavies out of a can. Like, it's so fucking good. He's so good in that movie. And he's like fat Alec Baldwin, which I love. So I feel like there's this moment in Alec Baldwin's career where he realizes that he d- he's not nearly as interested in doing leading man performances as he is character performances. And, and as a result... He works less and works in less prominent roles, but his work is much more interesting and, and yeah. More fun well, I mean, he was also on Thirty Rock for like seven years, so I'm sure that took up a lot of his time too. But I mean, that Jack Donaghy character—he's I mean, basically playing Jack Donaghy as a cop in that movie. But they're both so—I'm not not to take away from his performance. They're both so good. Jack Donaghy's one of the best, one of my favorite TV characters of all time. If you guys haven't watched Thirty Rock, go fucking watch Thirty Rock. Liz Lemon. Well, <laughs> we got that guy, Jack Human. What? Is <laughs> my Hugh Jackman? <laughs> Oswaldo, my friend, you know what time it's it is? Time. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, time for the three deaths, most brutal, most deserved, and of course, best death. Oswaldo, why don't you start us off? Most brutal death. All right, most brutal death. DiCaprio coming downstairs, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. All of a sudden, something happens, and right in front of him, Martin Sheen, flat like a spleen, just blood oh, squirts yeah. in his face. Oh, that was so good. I was not expecting that the first time. 
I love the like the one stream of blood that shoots up. Like it's obviously like a squib or something <laughs> right, that shoots Adam? straight up instead of like blood going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good one. I almost went with that one until I watched rewatched Deep Cover, and I have to go with Eddie. Man, beaten to death with the pool cue. He's like gasping for air and oh, crying yeah. and, and screaming for help. It's so fucking brutal, man. So I'm giving my point to Eddie from Deep Cover. Jordan, that what was, do you think? That was my choice as well. And and yeah, Eddie, Eddie and Deep Cover, yeah. and and props to go for screaming in the background through through that process as well. <laughs> He's like, stop, stop, yeah. stop it. The little, the little lady from Poltergeist like start screaming in the background. I yeah. also love the the response that Hall has in that moment where he's, you know, Russell Stevens, where he says, uh, what do you think? And he says, I think you made your point. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's a great scene. Man. And, it's, and it's fuck And like that character sucked. So like I was so happy to see him die. And then. I wasn't happy to watch him die. You know what I mean? Like I was happy to see him die, but I wasn't happy to watch him die because it was fucking ruthless. Yeah, that actor going, though, uh, I Jordan, forget his name. What? He's great, by the way. And in fact, it's a testament to, to how good his performance is, how much you hate that character. Yeah. He's he in Do the Right Thing. Uh, he wasn't the brother from Rock, was he? I don't no, think so. No, he wasn't the brother from Rock. Never mind. The brother from Rock was in uh, Ladies Man with Tim Meadows. Oh. He was the guy who ate pickled shit. I so long. Oh, it's so good. We'll do that next week. Jordan, why don't you give us uh, who do you think had the most deserved death? Uh, the most deserved death is is Colin Sullivan being uh, wiped out by Dignam at the end of The Departed. By that point, he's just Dude, such totally. a... Like, he's... Earlier on in the film, he's borderline redeemable because of, you know, where we started part of this conversation of, like, he's a kid taken off the street, brought into this world. Okay, he... You know, he kind of like wipes his ass with a few other human lives to save himself. But then he's like, fuck it, I'm killing Costello. And, you know, he's he's almost redeemable. But then, you know, then the way he treats uh, he treats DiCaprio after that, you're like, fuck this guy. Dude, I totally agree. That's who I have. Uh, Colin from The Departed, man. I, it's the only death I actually applauded for. It's like, yes, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oswaldo, who do you got? Same. Same. Same? Colin from Departed? Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, he honestly, like, how could you not? Like, I mean, sure. I mean, of course, Costello needed to die, but man, nobody deserved it more than fucking Matt Damon. Rounding out the three deaths, of course, is the best death. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Felix from Deep Cover, man. It's so ridiculous. Like, they're running from the cops, and Jeff Goldblum is like trying to force him to jump out of the limo, and he shoots him in the knee, and then Lawrence Fishburne won't <laughs> stop the limo because the cops are after him. He's trying to get him to jump out. And then finally, Felix goes to jump. Lawrence Fishburne does this insane, like, high-pitched scream for no reason. He just goes, ah! <laughs> And then Goldblum I mean, shoots him in the ass as he's jumping out of the car before he rolls out of the tunnel, and then a cop car comes along and hits him, but then it's obviously a dummy, and he does, like, the dummy flip over the top. I was like... <laughs> I watched it like three times. I was cry laughing. That that whole sequence from Deep Cover where Felix dies, best death, best best sequence in that movie. I'm giving it to Deep Cover. Jordan, what do you think? So, um, much shorter moment and considerably less dramatic. But I just I I love the uh, the attitude in the line when Jack shoots the woman in the back of the head when she's on her knees and and he says, uh, "Huh, she fell funny." That was my uh, <laughs> that was my runner up. But yeah. Oswaldo, what do you got? All right, I'm going to go with Leonardo DiCaprio's death just because it came out of nowhere. And I remember that moment I was sitting in the theater and I was like, what What the fuck? It's like, that really just happened? Like, is he dead? Like, did he die? Yeah. It, was just, it, was just a, it was just a good moment. And I, 
like to kill a such a major character in a movie, especially during that time, wasn't as common. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and it, it comes out of nowhere, but it's deserved. Like, you know what I mean? Like, not that he deserved it, but like as an audience member watching it, like as a character, um, like as a story point, like it worked. It was it didn't come out of nowhere as far as story-wise. It came out of nowhere, like expectation-wise, but it totally fucking worked. So that's a good yeah. one, man. I like that one. And that, of course, ladies and gentlemen, was The Three Deaths. <laughs> I recorded that myself, Jordan. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> Who else is going to grind on this panel? Come on. Oswaldo, why don't you uh, jump in here? Best character arc. Best character arc is going to be Jeff Goldblum. I think he changes the most as far as any other character goes. Not only did he change as far as like his attitude and like who he became as a person, but also his fashion sense completely changed. Slick back hair, leather jacket. <laughs> it was uh it was a complete 180. But but in all seriousness, I think he uh Jordan you mentioned how he had such a big turning point as well. Like he started off trying to do he wasn't that bad of a guy and then he turned into a really bad guy. He wanted his cake and eat it too. You know? Yeah. Do you do you think Goldblum brought his own clothing to set for for the entire entire shoot? No, I think he just brought Maybe it for the, for the second, second half. Movie. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. That's when they but like that, fired that the hairstylist. Too, like, He's like, I got this. Yeah. When when his character changes, the whole movie takes a turning point. Like that changes totally. everything on there. Everything's going actually pretty well until he gets his hand slapped a few times and somehow it gets all red and broken from a little kids game. Do you guys understand that? Do you guys get weird about that? I think it's just that Bar nah, Barbosa's yeah, like, just never, such a badass. I don't think you can hit that hard. That's, I, I, I was going to talk is? about that later, but it's like in slaps, it's like, I mean, at the end, he lets him get the free shot in. But we used to play where if you flinch three times, you got a free shot. And we would play for like hours. And we our hands would be like super bright red, but they would never bleed. You were never yeah, broken. Like, never, it was like, so over the top. Yeah. Like they could have, I think they could have done something better with that scene and playing slaps and he gets slapped four they might times well just and like his paper, hands rock, scissors. Broken. Yeah, right? Paper, <laughs> rock, scissors, losers, losers gets their dick chopped off. You're like, what? No. Yeah, so, no, it's, it's totally I, unrealistic, I but at the same time, the, the yeah. fact that he gets to basically abuse him by playing a children's game is, is part of the whole, you know, the whole moment, right? That's fine. I think that's fine. I just think the aftermath of it where his hand is like bleeding and shit was too much. Like, I think embarrassing him and almost like infantilizing him in front of his people is is fucking yeah. brilliant and i think playing that, that, that game is brilliant fine. yeah and he slaps him in the them. face but then to take it to the point where he's like injured <laughs> from it that's what i'm talking about that they was should have just rochambeaued each other would yeah it, absolutely would have been a great moment <laughs> turns out they're both yeah, wearing exactly. cups I'm like oh this is, gonna, this is gonna go all night yeah jordan who's your uh who's your winner for best character uh i actually picked uh despite what i said earlier i, I picked uh russell stevens jr i i think in part because of what I said about the interior monologue and otherwise we actually, not only do we see the character change, but we get some of the, uh, you know, the, the internal forces driving it and we, we get the most, uh, like backstory and present story to fill in, you know, that, that, in, that entire progression, um, as opposed to uh, other characters in both movies where I feel like, you know, we fill in a lot of, of what, you know, what, what their character arc is, which is fine. None of it's, none of it's for bad reasons. Um, uh, but, but you, you get everything with him, you know, you have the full buffet to, to dine from. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, I'm giving it to Stevens from deep cover. Like he basically, he sets up everything that he believes in 
And then he has to break every one of those things. And then he realizes like, oh, okay, now I'm a fucking piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like he, he falls into the world of crime and then actually becomes like really good at it. So, uh, but it, but he has to go against everything he believed just an hour before. It'd be like if Batman had to kill somebody, you know what I mean? Like it's that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm going to give it to, uh, I'm going to give it to Stevens. I I also think he has like the most meaningful moment of, of at least attempted redemption when, uh, What's the cop, the sort of preacher cop's name? Taft, is that his name? You know what I'm talking about? The guy who calls him son throughout. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, of course, is a bit on the nose. But, like, the the fact that he gets to try to save him as a sort of, like, redemption for his father who got shot when he was a kid, like, that that I can go along with. Like, the, the fact that he makes that turn and is willing to give up the $100 million, even though the police department fucked him, like, that feels like one of the more authentic character moments in, in either film to me. And he didn't actually yeah. just shoot Jeff Goldblum. He tried to put him under arrest. He tried to do the right thing. Exactly. That's a good point. Yeah, exactly. All right, we got two categories left here coming to an end of this super, super fun, exciting, action-packed game. Uh, Zvaldo, best ending sequence. Give it to me. I'm going to go with The Departed. Just with all those deaths at the end where everything just kind of like comes to an end and everyone dies. Actually, let me mention this while I still can. Anthony Anderson, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's so good. But he gets shot. So does the the other cop get shot. And then Leonardo DiCaprio gets shot. Like, everyone dies at the end. And it's just kind of like, it gets, it it ends with Matt Damon being killed. And you just see the that little rat at the end. I think it's perfect. It's a good bow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody I gets shot. It's really well done. Yeah. Everybody gets shot. It's fucking great. And then you think Matt Damon gets away with it, and then he gets shot. And, like, Leo gets shot. Yeah, everybody, like, surprised. All of them are surprised, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, when Matt Damon gets it at the end, it's fucking great. The little CGI rat, I could have done without. I'm not one of those people that's trying to raise money to get it CGI'd out. I don't care about it that much, but uh, I'm giving it also to The Departed. Mr. Larry, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to say The Departed as well. I, I, I think... Deep cover actually punts a little bit the ending with the uh, kind of like scene in front of Congress. It's a, it's a little bit like uh, over the top, overwrought, takes me out of the film a little bit. The other thing I want to... I wish it was like over yeah, the top. Huh? I wish it was like over top Stallone I, truck I, driving. I, I, yeah. wish it, I wish it ended with arm wrestling. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing I want to say about The Departed that I love is if you really stop to consider dignum circumstances at the end of the film these are the kind of like ambiguous endings i kind of love in films where it's like okay dignum has just done this thing that we're all on some level cheering for but like what's next for him where does he go you know what is what is his world now that he i mean he went out of his way to obviously like avenge queen in but like he can't go back to his office now you know well, there was a, there was a, uh, I, I think it was written, uh, and was they were trying to get a sequel into production that was going to f- kind of follow Dignan at this point, but everybody was like, no. Like, even Scorsese was like, I'm not interested in that. Apparently, he Scorsese did not have a good time making this movie, uh, especially in post. So, uh, it would have answered all your questions. But yeah, I mean, he's, because he got suspended for two weeks without pay. That's the last you see him. It also used to bother me no, when Alec Baldwin screams, the world needs plenty of bartenders, because... I was bartending at the time, and it was really hard to get a job <laughs> bartending. So <laughs> apparently, the world does not need plenty of bartenders. Did he quit though? Oh yeah, he says that. Doesn't yeah, he, goes, he said he's like, "Why don't I give my two yeah, weeks?" Yeah. And he goes, two weeks full paid or something." Then yeah, so yeah, he ends up two quitting. weeks with pay. But then, uh, well, no, no, two weeks. He was on suspension for two weeks. But then later, or at least that's how I took it. I thought he was suspended for two weeks, and then later, Matt Damon's like, "Didn't quit. He's gone." And, Jack's like, I don't give a fuck about Dignan. God, talk about emasculating somebody. 
Like all Dignan cares about is is fucking catching this guy. It's almost like Thanos when he shoots Scarlet Witch is like, you ruined my life. He's like, I don't even know who the fuck you are. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. But uh, all right, so three more for Departed. I, I don't think I would want to see a Dignan movie. As much as I love seeing him, he's like Kramer. Like you want to see him for like- He's a good side character. 15% yeah. of it. And then anything more than that, you're like, all right, that's enough. Uh, Jordan, why don't, you, why don't you take us home here with most rewatchable? Hold on. B- before we go, oh, okay. I have a question because I I don't want to end with this question, but I want this question to be answered. Are we getting points for this? No, I just have a question and want to know what your guys' opinion was. Uh, was it Dullahunt, the the other guy yeah. who got shot? Dullahunt, yeah. Dullahunt, he got shot and he died, and they said that he was an undercover cop. Yeah. Was he an undercover cop? I didn't think he was. This time I watched it, I was like, wait. It kind of made sense that he might have been an undercover cop the entire time because he didn't tell anybody that he knew Leonardo DiCaprio was was an, also an undercover cop. And, yeah, and he, he's actually he told him he whispered it over. He's like, come here. Do you, and he was going to tell him something, but we don't know what it was. Well, I think he's trying to get Leonardo DiCaprio to say, you're a cop before he dies. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's trying to get him to basically out Dignan as a cop or I'm sorry, Dillahunt as a cop. Like, cause he's like, why didn't I say it? He's like, say it, say it. Why didn't I, why didn't I say anything? So I think that he wants, uh, he wants Leonardo DiCaprio to be like, oh, you're a cop. So that everyone else is like, oh, he's the cop. Cause he knows he's figured out that Leo's a cop at that point. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Dill Hunt knows that Leonardo DiCaprio's character is a cop. So if he outs himself as a cop, then the search is over and Leonardo DiCaprio can keep doing what he's doing and he's going to be safe. But so you think he would was have to cop? be? They, yeah, I think he was, which is ridiculous that this you know Whitey Bulger character, super badass gangster, has two cops that fucking deep in his operation. But at the same, yeah. time, at the same <laughs> but, uh, time, he has how many guys inside the police force working for him? No, that's true. No, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but I think also the police force is not as selective when picking people to be close close to them as say like a professional gangster. No, but movie. I think I, this is this goes back to the point that I was going to make about Colin earlier, which is that the idea that it's so easy for somebody to live their entire life posing as a cop to get away with, you know, moving up in the police force, like that's a 24-hour-a-day undercover job just like it is infiltrating the mafia. And, you know, selective or not, it's not, it's not easy for somebody like Colin's character to ascend the ranks of the police force in the way that he does just because he's taking care of Costello, right? Like, there's got to be some major internal drive that's keeping that sustained as well. You can't just fake your way through life. and Otherwise, everybody would, right? You'd be like, oh, I'll just be a lawyer now today, you know? Like, it's, it's not that simple. It's not? We don't all do that? We don't all fight our way? I think the reason he moved up so fast was because he knew exactly he was rat, he was arresting all of uh, Costello's enemies. Right, but he still had to get through the academy and ace the academy. Like, there's, you know, there there's no way that like passing exams is something that Costello can like help him with, for example. You know, and he still has to play the internal like office dynamics. And I mean, I don't want to get like way deep into the weeds on this, but like. He's got to go to the office every day and get along with everybody at the office, make sure his superiors like him. You know what I mean? Like, if you really, if you really dig up the bones of what what's required, like it's it's not so straightforward. Well, but not really, because Leonardo DiCaprio didn't have to do that. He got through the academy, and then that was it. They pulled him out, and they faked everything else. You know what I mean? They could have Hunt could have done the same thing. He could have been Leonardo DiCaprio in twenty years. You know what I mean? Like, like he could have been like 
looking at his future. What what I think happened is Matt Damon was a hard worker, but didn't have the talent, natural talent, while Leonardo DiCaprio's character was just gifted. He was super smart. He knew what to do. And so that's why he kind of moved up. But I think that was his frustration with, with Matt. Um, Matt Damon's character was that he worked so hard. He tried his best to do everything. He just and he wasn't getting the recognition that he wanted. Yeah, but all, it you wasn't, have to remember, it too. wasn't from the cops. It was from Costello that he wanted his recognition. That's what he was doing it all for. No, a hundred percent. I'm just saying he had to succeed at both in order to to move up in his world, just like Costigan did. But the advantage that Costigan has versus any other random cop is remember his family was tied to the Costello mafia in the first place. So he's got his cousin, his dad, his uncle, like all of that ties him in from the beginning. That's that's sort of his crime academy, you know. That's why they recruit him in the first yeah. place. And we don't get any background. We don't get any background on Dillahan, so we actually don't know anything about him. But he was what D, they said he was DEA anyway, so it's a whole different thing. But yeah, he I mean he might have been the same thing. Like you're not gonna let like some dude who's not from the neighborhood, like like Dillahan probably grew up in that fucking neighborhood. Too. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like or he knew the players as a kid. Um, we just don't get his background at all. But I think going back going back to your initial question though, yeah, I think he was a cop who was put in and he was in a long fucking time. And he knew he was dead, but he didn't want Billy to die also. So he was like, if you out me right now, then the cop hunt is over. You know, because he hesitated, they threw him in the marsh. Also, yeah, he was a cop because they found his body immediately. I mean, the other guy's saying, he's like, I threw him in the fucking marsh. How the fuck did they find him so quick? It's because he was a cop because they knew where to look. That's one of my favorite when he's like, "Uh, some big fucking dog. And he's like, don't laugh. This ain't reality TV. And you see that guy's <laughs> face go from like laughing to just like super serious. Like, oh shit, man. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, the. But no, I think he was. I think he it's was. It's like a cop, the yeah. torture scene in Reservoir Dogs, basically. You know, where he doesn't turn. Uh, was it Mr. Orange? That's Tim Roth in, the, in Reservoir Dogs. The cop who gets tortured yeah, yeah. doesn't turn him in because he's you know he's a good cop. Marvin Nash. There you go, Marvin Nash. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I knew you were a cop. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I right. uh, I think he was a cop. That's why he, they found him so quickly and all that stuff too. Uh, all right, let's finish up here. Last last category: Jordan most rewatchable. Yeah, I I've already given up the goose on this, so to speak. Uh, I I could watch I could watch Deep Cover pretty much anytime. Also, but I think uh, The Departed just it you know the movement of the film. It's like it's quick, it's snappy. We've talked about a lot of dialogue in it. Like there are so many ways to enjoy the movie. Um, you know, even in 15 minute chunks, I, I can turn it on and, and enjoy two or three scenes and, and, you know, and move on to something else. I'm going to go with The Departed as well for the same reasons. But I do want to say I will probably in the next few years watch Deep Cover more just because I found it it's such I found I found it to be such a good film. And then also it, it is really hard to compare, like the amount of talent that it took to make The Departed versus Deep Cover just the budget alone makes a big difference. The fact that we're able to compare these two and discuss this like really well, I think says a lot for deep cover for being such a low budget film, such an older film, but again, more rewatchable. I think I would have to go with the departed. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, here's the thing. Deep cover. They does a lot for what it's been given, but then even there's some shit that like, isn't necessarily 
um, like budgetarily affected that was like ridiculous. Like the scene where they're playing slaps and his hands all bloody. Like some of the <laughs> acting was like it came off almost like TV ish when like Goldblum's like have my cake and eat it too. Have my cake and eat it too. Have my and then there's the fucking the lady who lives across the fucking hall who goes, "Don't tell oh, me yeah. how to raise my kid. My kid is clean." Oh yeah, we didn't talk about her <laughs> at like, all. Like, what is this lady? Yeah, we. Yeah, I forgot so, about that. I. I <sighs> She's so over the top. I just think that the part is more fun. Obviously, it had a bigger budget, but I think Jack's obviously having a lot of fun with it. Baldwin, Alec Baldwin and Mark Wahlberg are having fun fucking stealing scenes. I think Leonardo DiCaprio, his performance was firing on all cylinders. I think that just overall, it's just a more enjoyable movie. Now, Deep Cover might not have been meant set out to be enjoyable, but if we're talking rewatchability, you know, I don't. I, I really like uh, Irreversible. I don't want to fucking watch it again. You know what I mean? Like, that's just how it is. Departed, 100%. All right, there it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, Departed, yeah, kind of ran away with it more than I thought it would. We uh, Final score, 36 to 20. Departed to deep cover. Crowning Departed, the number one undercover adventure. Happy, happy damn fun time movie <laughs> of all time. So, we did it, guys. It didn't get slapped as, as bad as uh, Jeff Goldblum's hands. <laughs> <laughs> the Golden Child, the the Golden Child really lost compared to Big Trouble Little China. That was that was destroyed. Yeah, it's kind of held its own. A little more than half, right? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, like if you just do budgetary wise, like thirty six points to how many millions of dollars was it? You know, like uh, Departed was. Eight million, I think you said. I mean, if you just think about it, points wise, like Departed got thirty six points to a ninety million dollar budget, whereas uh, Deep Cover got twenty points for an eight million dollar budget. So, I think that's pretty good. That's pretty good uh, points. Points to dollars spent. I think for our next movies, we should put um, budget as a category. Give them a point for less budget. For less budget or best use of yeah. budget. Yeah. yeah I, look, I, th I think we ended yeah, up kind of where we felt like we were going to end up when we started, which is we had sort of an Apollo Creed and Rocky Balboa thing where, you know, it would have been absurd if, if Rocky actually won. But the fact that he, he hung around, you know, until the end of the fight, you know, is a victory in and of itself for deep cover. I mean, yeah, just go in the distance, yeah. you know, at the end where you could be like, yeah, I, I could see why these two movies uh, were comparable. It's like, wow, really? Yeah. You're talking about. A seventy million dollar budget difference, you know what I mean? So yeah, no, I mean it's it's like the little engine that could, man. Deep cover, it's it was it as good as Departed? No, was it amazing for what it was? Yes, I absolutely think so. So that's it, guys. Back home, let us know what you think. Let us know what uh, if you were playing along, what your final score was. Thirty six to twenty, Departed taking it. Jordan, man, thanks so much for hanging out with us today, dude. That was uh, it was super fun. It was a little more. A little more in depth than what we normally do. Uh, where can uh, people find you? You said you got a podcast starting up here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Uh, I, I have a <laughs> I have a group that we we've, we've been we've been meeting and uh, and talking about films in a in a similar way. Uh, we we've been exploring, recording, and, and kind of putting that stuff out there. Um, I think that's our intention. I think we're all on the same page. So uh, you know, maybe what I'll do is once we uh, once we launch, I'll come back and we can. We can give some official info or whatever somebody does when they're launching a podcast. I don't know. We don't yeah. know either. Uh, is there a tentative title you want to put out? <laughs> yeah, there? I think we're going to call it One Take. Uh, right now, we're like five regular people meeting. I know five is kind of a lot for a podcast, but we've, we've found a format that works well for us. And the idea is to kind of just do almost a, like an unedited run through. 
you know, group conversation, bring on some guests here and there. So of course we'll, we'll figure out when to bring you guys on and, uh, yeah, that's the deal. Sweet. That's cool, man. Yeah. I can't wait to, uh, can't wait to come on and talk on your podcast because that's what entertainment is now. Departed, <laughs> deep cover. We did it. We made it out alive. We survived. Oswaldo, you got something for us next week? I do. Have, I have a question for you guys. You guys ever look out your window? For both of us? And Yeah. You guys ever never, look out your window? Never once. And wonder what your neighbors are doing? Maybe you see the shadows kind of moving. You think, huh, I wonder if they're murdering somebody. <laughs> Does that ever happen I to you guys? That, yeah, all the time. Yeah. All the I don't, I mean, I live in Los Angeles. There's no trees, so I don't know. Well, then I think you're going to like our our next selection. So next month is October, as we all know, how months work. And we, uh, John and I kind of talked about maybe doing some more like more suspense or or horror films. So we got two movies. It's a versus. We're doing another versus. We're also going to bring in a guest. Yeah, we're doing another versus. We're bringing a guest. A guest that you know, John, that everybody knows. Ricky Annis is coming back again. He actually brought a really good oh, okay. uh, versus here, I thought. Yeah. So, again, uh, one film is from 1954. The other is from 1985. One of them is by one of the greatest directors of all time. The other one is not. But they both have a <laughs> similar similar um, theme going on. So, we've got... Here, actually, I'm going to name some some actors. If you guys can guess. It's, it's, I, I just can't think of what the name is. Rear it Rear Window? Is it Rear Window? It's rear window, yeah. One of them is rear window. Yeah, yeah. The other one, I'm gonna start naming some some actors here. I'm gonna read the uh, synopsis for you. Here we go. <laughs> a teenager believes that a newcomer in his neighborhood is a vampire. He turns to an actor in a television horror show for help Fright to night? deal. Yeah. Yes, Fright it's the original night. Fright Night. Awesome. Oh my god, rear yeah, window versus Fright, Fright Night. Fright Night. Great. What? Yeah. Rear rear window <laughs> Fright versus night. Fright Night, dude. Matchup. Fucking Ricky, where did that come from? Yeah, oh that was pretty God. good, right? Not the not the Colin Farrell remake of Fright Night. <laughs> no, yeah. So uh, I thought that, you were gonna do rear our, window our versus viewing. what was the what was the Shia LaBeouf one where it's the same thing where he like can see I can't think what it was called. Anyway, uh, that's awesome. We should also <laughs> throw in the uh, Simpsons spoof of Rear Window at the same time. Um, Okay, so Rear Window versus Friday Night. Uh, Zvaldo, where can we find these? So it looks like they are available on demand, so you can get it from like YouTube, Apple TV, Amazon. Um, looks like they're both going for $3.99 to rent if you don't already own it. I own, uh, I own Rear Window at least, so I'll have to pay for... Oh, you got that, that Hitchcock like six-pack. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, man. We'll have to, we'll have to talk and uh, figure out what we're comparing. Because I can't yeah, even picture fun. it right now. So we did it, you bastards. We are going to skip the what's good for this week just because this episode went super long. But that's The Departed. That's a deep cover. Jordan Larry, thank you so much for coming and partying with us and hanging out, man. It was so much fun Thanks having you. Thanks for having me. I, I, yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, Thanks for... You too, awesome. Thanks for making yeah. me watch Deep Cover. It's been on my list for a while. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed the chat. I will uh, I'll look forward to trying to find some time to come back in the future. Yeah, totally, man. You're always welcome yeah, back. Yeah, we'll have you. So if you're listening at home, please, uh, if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review. And until next time, keep watching good movies. And as always, you know, we like to leave with a quote. So, John, what do you got for us? Get down, you red devil. Don't be teaching my boy that fairytale elf shit. 
It's from Deep Cover. It's his dad yelling at Santa Claus. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like one of the first lines of the movie. Oh, it's so good. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>